Welcome back to Maastricht Law Talk. I know it's been a while, but finally in 2018 we are back with several new episodes. The first new one will be on EU citizenship, a very interesting episode. Please keep in mind that the first 30 seconds or so have a few audio issues, but after that everything is completely fine and I wish you a happy listening. Every year in Ontario, thousands of people are seriously injured in car or slip and fall accidents. Recovery can be overwhelming and for many a financial nightmare. Sir, drop your weapon, put your hands on your head, and get down on the ground. You are going to be placed under arrest. We can help them get the financial compensation they deserve. That preventing a breach of the peace is a legitimate state interest. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. We are all citizens of any country, most probably, hopefully, uh, on this planet. And I have Dimitri Koshinov with me, Professor of Constitutional Law at University of Groningen, European Union Constitutional Law. Hello, Dimitri. Hello, hello. EU Constitutional Law, yeah. I believe <laughs> such a thing exists. <laughs> um, you have recently published a book, which uh, I would ask you to just briefly introduce. It's called EU Citizenship and Federalism, The Role of Rights. What exactly did you talk about there? Well, the book connects uh, citizenship, federalism, and precisely precisely the rights that citizens enjoy in the European Union. So uh, I believe that the literature puts the wrong emphasis a little bit. The literature before the book used to put the wrong emphasis on uh, on the questions which we don't need answered necessarily. So the, the main question is what kind of rights European citizens have. Uh, and then this question ignores the division of competences between the EU and the, and the national legal orders a little bit. So my question is how European citizenship rights can actually affect the division of competences between mm -hmm. the member states and the European Union, and then whether it's a good thing or not, and in which direction the, the, this all should be or could be going. So uh, if we say European citizens have right uh, right A, Then this right, if it's only present in the at the European legal uh, legal level, as it were, might be actually denied to the majority of the of, of the European citizens at the national level. And then, how far should this denial go at the national level is 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 an open uh, relevant question. Mm -hmm. If we speak about the, if we speak about the significant uh, citizenship of the European Union, which which presumes equality to all. Yeah, yeah. So then the, the main problem with the European Union and its citizenship, what I call uh, citizenship of personal circumstances, is that very often uh, when the question of rights is asked, the, the most important uh, and, and sad answer is, is that uh, what the rights, you, the rights you are entitled to actually uh, depend on the personal situation you are in. Mm -hmm. So so then the court will look at your CV, the court will look at <laughs> where you traveled, the court the court will look at how miserable your family situation is, uh -huh. and then based on that you will be granted or denied rights. And yeah, this right. is not this is not oh, how be, citizenships guess, normally function. Mm -hmm. Of course of course the, we, we cannot We could not pretend that uh, obstructions, legal obstructions, are, are perfect in the way how in the way in the way how they function in practice. Uh, but uh, in the EU, this is the this is the norm. So then, the main principle uh, becomes uh, basically the distribution of rights based on something other than the status. I think then it's perfect that I found you. This is exactly what we will talk about today. Um, well, let's let's talk about other things as well. I mean, no, we will, of course. Of yes, course. yes, yes. <laughs> 
but uh, I would like to ma- to mention Sasha Somik here. Actually, Alexander mm-hmm. Somik, who is a professor in Vienna, uh, who wrote several extremely interesting pieces arguing that the main principle of EU law is actually the lack of clarity. <laughs> of EU law. And why? Because we have Article 267, because we have, we have preliminary ruling procedure, mm-hmm. uh, the preliminary ruling procedure, actually several procedures. And then all that is based on the presumption that, uh, in the majority of cases, if not in every case, when the, when the, when uh, the national court, uh, or the national authorities, uh, which, which serve uh, the functions of a court, uh, are confronted with, uh, with an EU law question, uh, then they obviously will, will have doubts with the interpretation of the what text. The and obviously <laughs> they will need to refer. So then, so then. Well, isn't that how European Union law develops? Well, itself, that's, right? so the, so, and that's precisely Somic's point. <laughs> Ironically, the, 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 the legal system has been growing and, uh, mm-hmm. growing in power, growing uh, in, in terms of the respect that it, that it projects, uh, through perfecting this one principle that our law is unclear. Our law is impenetrable. And, uh, and of course, citizenship is an important part of this, uh, of this story. Yeah. Um, to the listeners, I will put a link to his work in the description, so just that everyone can actually um, find these works. Um, we already have seen that you know a lot on this topic, you're a real expert, and I just want to mention that you also have um, done consultancy work for several governments, right? Well, yeah, I, do. I, I try to use my knowledge, so I think this is, uh, the, the, this is the best way with... The, the best thing you can do when you're at the university. Uh-huh. So I, uh, so I did some work, uh, with, uh, with the Scottish government, for instance. And, no, the Scottish parliament, especially. Okay. Because b- before the, before the last re-election of, uh, Theresa May, it was, uh, it was plausible that Scotland would actually attain independence in the near future, that there would be another independence referendum. Now, of course, this is not as, ac- as acute and not anymore. And what did you the advise agenda. them on? on so, yeah. So, it? so they, so they, they had, a working group set up mm-hmm. uh, on uh, basically discussing the future relationship with the European Union uh, as a possibly independent state and every possible yeah. independent state uh, will need will need a citizenship so how would that citizenship new citizenship function in the context of EU law uh, was the question so that that, that was extremely uh, that was extremely fascinating for me of course yeah. uh, because uh, because yeah. there, there were plenty of serious people at the table and everybody had uh, had an idea that it's actually possible uh, to to have a new state around, and that new state will have a new <laughs> citizenship. This new citizenship will, of course, have a relationship with European citizenship and with the European Union. And uh, they invited several uh, s- several top colleagues. Uh, so, of course, uh, of course, I was not alone. And then I've done. The, uh, was the Catalonian local government as far with their plans as the Scottish? Or <laughs> well, in fact, so so as a lawyer, I think the the, the starting point <laughs> is that we should we should discuss things. Uh, things which are legal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that, that's why I've never uh, uh, I've, I've never worked with uh, with the countries that uh, that barely or don't quite exist. So I, w- I wouldn't go to uh, to Abkhazia to advise them on their citizenship law, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. But I worked with the countries which which uh, are claimed by the sovereigns to be uninhabited. Uh, for instance, the the okay. British Indi- the British Indian Ocean Territory, uh, and I was uh, I was involved as, as an expert briefly in uh, in in the Chagos Archipelago in one of the Chagos Archipelago cases uh, where 
all the population was basically kicked out from from the islands by the British government mm. in, in the beginning of the 70s, right after the UK joined the European, uh, then the European communities, uh, in order to make room for the military base, which the US then founded uh, in, in the center of the Indian Ocean. And now, so th- those guys were put on barges, and they were, they were basically uh, transported to the to the nearby islands. Some, some of them ended up on Mauritius, some of them ended up elsewhere. Uh, now they're all British citizens, of course, because uh, this Biot, the British Indian Ocean Territory, uh, is uh, is is a is a scattered yeah. <laughs> um, uh, land in 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 the ocean under British sovereignty. Mm-hmm. But uh, cases are still ongoing about whether they can visit, whether they can return, whether they can fish around there. And the answer of the British legal system uh, always is, uh, of course, not. Uh, so the, so then the the EU law argument. Uh, that uh, I was trying to make as an expert, and Cl- Clifford Chances the, is the company that mm-hmm. uh, that, that represents the exilees, the, the the famous Mister Bankul, the uh, the leader yeah. uh, holds court on Mauritius. So I've, I visited once. It's a it's a very imposing imposing sight. He he, he <laughs> sits surrounded uh, with uh, the pictures of himself with different popes, with U.S. presidents, etc. He's trying yeah. to promote the cause, but then uh, the argument on the EU law was uh, the starting point behind associating uh, territories and countries under the sovereignty of one of the member states with the EU is uh, is that this kind of association will in, in increase the uh, level of prosperity and so and socioeconomic development in general of the islands in question and yeah. so that's the only goal of association. So the UK, the UK ratified the, the the Treaty of Accession. They 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 joined the European Union, and then what they have done first, or well, one of the first things that they have done in the Indian Ocean, they basically depopulated it, one yeah. of the one of the territories which they agreed to uh, to join to the EU in order to further its uh, social economic development. development. Yeah. So our our <laughs> argument, of course, unfortunately, it was a British court. I mean, not, nothing so wrong a, with the British. Yeah. System, but it was it was clear from uh, f- from step one that uh, that it was a it, it was a losing case <laughs> yeah. uh, because the court simply said this is an aspirational provision. Uh, so uh, and and it's also clear to us that the territory was actually uh, kind of not populated anyway, In although the there was a population. And then and then the court says uh, now they have a constitution. And that constitution establishes establishes the rights of uh, the rights of visit, etc. But in fact, the constitution is 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 an administrative order mm. which is passed without any consultation <laughs> with the population, which they claim oh, doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 an interesting story. And and then yeah. the, one of the first articles of the constitution says, and by the way, nobody can visit. So, so they depopulated the territory. They create the constitution for that without consulting those who, who were kicked out. Yeah, and yeah. then that constitution is is there for one thing to make sure that those no guys don't return <laughs> exactly. And how does it uh, how does it go along with uh, with uh, with the provisions of Part Forty of EU, which is the which is the part on association? Probably not not neatly, but the British courts uh, refused to uh, submit any kind of questions to the European Court of Justice on this. And that's a that's a great example where the, the European law is kind of clear, but uh, but the presumption of unclarity rules. <laughs> so, but that's why we have Silfid. That, that that's why we have all this acte clair, acte or whatever. So it's, that, a, it's a wonderful story. That was with uh, with Clifford Chance, you said. 
Yeah, um, that's, but you've uh, also worked together with uh, Henley and Partners. Yeah, I worked. I also I also do basically I uh, the the hands on uh, help with writing citizenship laws, which okay. is uh, w- which is probably even even more interesting. So if uh, uh, if I can claim one word in in one law somewhere that I think improves the text. I am very happy because uh, no. I think it's a it's a privileged position, uh, and it's it's a totally kind of, totally different kind of output uh, compared with simply seeing your work cited or uh, seeing uh, a colleague convinced mm-hmm. that uh, my argument about about citizenship and nationality actually makes sense yeah. at some conference. Yeah. Well, and then um, I have in front of me the um, the quality of nationality index, which I will also link in the show notes. <clears throat> And I think most listeners either have noticed that last year or the the year before, every now and then the, the big news outlets are reporting what is the best passport of the last two or three years, whatever it was, has been uh, Germany then. So I've been very lucky, it seems. But um, yeah, you've actually been the person working on this and establishing what the best passport is. Maybe you could just elaborate well, a tiny the, bit on the... Yes, yeah, that's why that's why the, the index project. is called... Uh, the Quality of Nationality Index is, is the main title, of course, but I also put uh, put my name and the name of the firm that mm-hmm. financed the index in the, uh, in, in, in the title. So it was... It, it's, it's, a, it's a baby of, uh, of two people. <laughs> uh, so besides myself, it's uh, Dr. Christian Kalen, who is, uh, who is with... Uh, Henley and Partners. Okay, and uh, we've we've created it because there is a there is of course a flood of different indices, and you can you can measure plenty of things. Uh, but when uh, as as far as it comes to passports, uh, usually everybody simply looks at the number of visa free destinations. So then, yeah. so then, yeah, <laughs> let's a uh, uh, a German can go to Mongolia, for instance, and the Russian. Uh, and the Russian uh, can't, for, just for instance. So, like, uh, if you look at the differences in, well, that means always uh, visa free, right? Yeah, so visa yeah. free or visa on arrival. But then, oh, okay. how okay. how important is that? Is an open question. So, if you, if 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 you look at uh, the number of countries that say the citizens of Moldova Republic can visit, it's it's not as high as the number of countries that Russians can visit. But uh, we know that Russians cannot enter the Schengen zone. They cannot uh, they cannot go to uh, to to Canada, U.S., Australia. Like basically, not a single uh, developed country. If you look mm-hmm. at HDI around the world, even if you include Saudi Arabia and and, and yeah, Moldovans sure. can. So mm-hmm. so you need to look at what kind of country you can travel to visa free rather than the number. And 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 I factored that in. Uh, but there is a there is a further question then about about what a passport really is or what a nationality really is. Uh, at the the normal perception around the world, the dominant perception also in the literature is that there is a strong correlation between between your status of citizenship, which is granted by by an authority that basically claims you, mm-hmm. uh, like your your German state or my Dutch state, and uh, and and the territory of that state where regulation actually takes place and where your life is supposed to evolve. But in fact, over the last fifty years, we see uh, that this correlation is uh, is absolutely broken. So, and and this is something that I discovered actually hands on in terms of the data, uh, the, the the data at the tips of my fingers uh, when working on this index. In fact, the majority of uh, jurisdictions around the world issue documents and and statuses that give you full access for residence and work in in more territories than one. Mm. 
So of course we all know the European Union. That's that's yeah. the best example. So yeah. as as a German, you can you can live all around the EU. You can also live in Switzerland. You can also live in uh, in the in the EA countries. So like Iceland, Norway, uh, <laughs> Liechtenstein. You can't unfortunately there's a special exemption. Yeah. Uh, but also some countries uh, on the German passport anyway, like like Georgia. So once you decide to move to Georgia, there will be no questions asked. Okay. Uh, you can reside there and make money if you if you feel like or like do whatever you want. Uh, but the same applies to other countries around the world. Imagine you are Armenian. I know it's difficult, but uh, as an Armenian, you would be able to to live in Armenia, but also in Russia, also in Kazakhstan, also in Belarus. It's it's a huge added value. I as could a, imagine the African Union having similar. Uh, not the African no? Union. It's it's yeah. ECOWAS. ECOWAS, oh, okay. ECOWAS okay. has a so so it's it's one third of the African continent. Okay. Basically, if you look at if you look at it geographically, even, mm-hmm. even probably slightly more, they have they have exactly the same among a large number of countries. Yeah. Latin America, Diego Acosta has done a lot of research on this. Uh, has uh, has mutual agreements like this, uh, so basically Colombian can uh, can work in Argentina, Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, etc. But the same the same applies to uh, arrangements between the former colonies. Uh, so, for instance. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, in tandem have have uh, have a similar system. Then India has this with Bhutan and Nepal. Uh, there, there are plenty of plenty of examples examples around the world. So then, if you if you built a map of that, and this is something that I will have in the new edition of the Q and I, and we, we actually we have tested the map with a colleague from here, with Justin Lindebaum, who is who is now finishing a a PhD here uh, under my co supervision. Uh, we published a map in 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 a journal which I can uh, g- give you a link to, uh, and it shows the world in, in a totally different way compared with how we were used to seeing it. So then, uh, Germany, of course, is a, uh, is a place where uh, the, the passport of which or the nationality of which gives you access to more than forty countries, and then and then we see that uh, the, the U.S. Also gives you five, gives you five, six. It's the, the Dutch Caribbean, ironically, Albania for some reason. So once you, once you start looking at the laws and how they apply. Yeah. uh, You see that actually, uh, the number of passports that neatly correlate with, with one territory of rights is, uh, it's, is, is less than half of the, of the number of world's nationalities, which Mm. means that it's a, it's it's a very exciting new way of of looking at how rights are actually distributed in their correlation to the status. So uh, the, the exceptional passport uh, passports like like the Canadian one, for instance, or like Sri Lankan one, which don't give you access anywhere at all yeah. besides the place that issued that <laughs> issued the status in terms of rights, in terms of work, in terms of residence, uh, are, are now in the minority. And and this is something that the index also that the index also matters. So the, so then the idea behind the indexes is to look at the at the economic development and the HDI of the country inside uh, the, the 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 territory which which is controlled by the authority issuing your document and issuing your status, but also to look at visa free travel, including what kind of countries you can visit, mm. and to look at settlement rights and and rights to work outside of the jurisdiction issuing the document, and based. Based on that kind of count, uh, the European Union, of course, is, is ahead of the world yeah. uh, because uh, because simply your horizon opportunities is 
is infinitely broader here if if you take diversity as a as a as a positive element you can capitalize on simply because of the sheer number of countries and the sheer quality of countries that allow you not only uh to travel there without a visa but also to settle there so yeah, then right. uh it, it it's the, the the added value is the same for small countries and large countries so as a german you might uh, you, you you might <laughs> smile saying like germany is one of the biggest economies in ah. the european union why should i ever care but then yeah, you, yeah. i see you here in my growing in office and you're clearly using your right because because you reside in the netherlands yeah. and now if 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 you had an albanian citizenship or or, or if if you would be uh, coming from colombo then this would be uh on the range from very very difficult to impossible i mean we will talk about that later but um me as a student here in the netherlands i obviously also encounter that with my international friends um friends from all over the world that do not have it as easy as i have it they're not allowed to work they pay substantially higher fees etc um yes of course but it also it also depends on the place you didn't travel far No, that's so true. if you if you look at uh, the statistics of illegal populations around the world, illegal like uh, uh, quote and the quote and of course I, I don't believe in in illegality as a concept because this is yeah. uh, this is uh, uh, purely created What by law. Politics and, would say uh, pre- precisely, and not that I don't believe in legal <laughs> truths, etc. Of course, so of course those uh, those are sacred, yeah. but still, illegality is not a helpful term. Uh, so if if you look at these undocumented populations, you will see that plenty of European citizens are under documented around the world so mm-hmm. so there are plenty of illegal uh, so-called illegal irishmen in the us who have overstayed their <laughs> welcome and are now afraid to to return or to make themselves uh, known to the cabin staff as it were there, there, are, there are plenty of illegal portuguese in brazil because mm. somehow brazil brazil is an extremely attractive uh, destination for uh, for iberian citizens especially oh. especially especially for the portuguese okay. so so the portuguese are the number one illegal population in that country yeah. uh. and uh, <laughs> of course they they hide from the law enforcement authorities well, yeah. etc mm-hmm. uh, why is that the case because uh, because latin america has a far reaching uh, far reaching level of integration in terms of free movement of persons mm-hmm. like on, on, in some respects it's even it's even better organized than than uh, than what we have here in Europe. Uh, so if an Argentinian comes to Brazil, uh, then uh, then there is a right to work and and stay for two years, no questions asked, and un- under the un- under the legal framework which applies internationally to the two countries, and then the the time necessary for naturalization, if you come from from that uh, from that continent, is exactly two years. So uh, you can only be illegal, so-called, if if you have criminal convictions or if you have civil pro- serious problems with the law. Okay. And then, if you come from Portugal, then that regime doesn't apply. Yeah. And the yeah. same the, the same problem is uh, is is exactly what uh, foreigners from far away uh, face in the European Union. Th- this kind of regional arrangements, mm-hmm. continent, even even they are continental in scope, uh, tend to favor. Uh, people from closer by, by yeah, or people yeah. from former colonies. Uh, uh, like it's it's easier to become to become a Spaniard if if you are a Filipino com- uh, compared with becoming a Spaniard if 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 you're Italian. Yeah, I mean that, that wouldn't probably be the case if there hasn't been <clears throat> uh, wouldn't have been colonialism, right? It's it's just the history aspect that that forces them into uh, giving those citizenships. Well, I don't know. It's also proximity, simple proximity well, yes, matters. Yes, okay. uh, so the, if if you look at uh, if you look at the arrangements in Europe, uh, 
where the, the the colonial empires were very very different. Mm-hmm. Still, the the European Union functions in such a way that uh, it, it it allows for full interpenetration of uh, uh, of European citizens in terms of the territories of the member states, uh, mm-hmm. residence and uh, residence and work. Uh, a huge added value. I mean, we've mentioned the word citizenship, citizens, quite often now. But maybe we could just start the whole discussion. We were, we've already been in there. Um, but with the question, what does it mean to be a, ci- a citizen in the first place? What, it, it, the, I think the best definition <laughs> is uh, given by Rogers Brubaker. It's the instrument and the object of closure. Okay. And uh, this, this is the only reliable one. Uh, because uh, once once you create the legal status of citizenship, you by definition create the the, the body of uh, people that that you have delineated. So this is the legal truth in Balkan in Balkan's terms. And okay. then and then once you have created it, you immediately want to protect it from uh, possible threats or possible outsiders who you decided not to include. Uh, so then, instrument and object of closure. This is exactly what citizenship is about. So it, 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 it was a political instrument in the first place to to, to exclude others from certain rights in that country. Or what was the the reasoning? Like, why does the, the citizenship exist in the first place? Well, I mean, to, to just make sure that these people in my country get the rights, but no one else does. It's not about rights from the probably in the beginning. It's about uh, it's about what you owe by virtue of birth uh, <laughs> to whoever is uh, who, to whoever claims uh, uh, bigger power in 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 the territory which which they control and where you happen to be. So mm-hmm. the, 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 there is a lot of uh, interesting uh, legal historical literature on the connecting, connecting the emergence of states and uh, consequently the emergence of citizenship with, uh, with, mi- with uh, military conflict. Uh, so yeah. if, if, if we believe that uh, through history, states uh, pass through an important phase of, of being uh, basically uh, protection rackets, when they would create uh, create dangers for the population and then and then offer against payment uh, to to relieve those dangers uh, mm-hmm. this is exactly this is exactly where the origins of citizenship as a legal status lie so it's uh, it's basically the delineation of those uh, who by definition would owe you something if you are the authority mm-hmm. and who then will be pre- protected from the dangers which you have created to justify uh, basically <laughs> ripping them off. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great idea. Texas. Uh, yeah. no, no, it, it can be also no, payments in kind. It, mm. it can be, it can be all, all, all kinds of donations uh, the, the, that you expect. Ultimately, it's of course death uh, because if you, uh, if, if you are born somewhere and someone claims your territory or claims your family, uh, then uh, you're expected to bring the ultimate sacrifice. <laughs> and, that's, uh, and, uh, and then once, once that is a given, uh, all kinds of ju- justifications come in, like why is it sacred? Why do we need it? Uh, usually, like because because we govern ourselves and political rights. Very, very recent, very very interesting, but uh, it's 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 probably not the essence. Uh, it's it's not the essence of what we are talking about. No, that, or that, that, identity, even an even yeah, better yeah. word. But and, that's also connect always connected to well, one national, one one nation, one state. Right. I mean, originally speaking, at least. So there is now Germany that issues such passports, right? Is this well, only connected to a country? 
as well as exclusive. Well, uh, we're speaking about we're speaking about personhood in law, basically. Now the now the the world is dominated by countries, uh, so people are claimed by countries. Mm-hmm. Before the world used to be dominated by empires, yeah, people yeah. would be claimed by by empires or parts of empires. Mm-hmm. Uh, before before empires or alongside empires, there would be city states. People would be claimed by city states, uh, and then uh, the same the same prob- problem always emerges. Like, how do I delimine, delineate? The scope of my law, the scope of my authority, in terms of the persons that the area, the, the the array of persons to whom the law will apply, yeah. and that's that's the first question that needs to be answered in order to have citizenship in place. So it's it first you create the citizens, then you protect them from the others, and uh, you basically <laughs> you, you basically draw a random line somewhere. Uh-huh. It's it's truly random because if you if you study the grounds on which citizenship is granted, you will see that. Uh, there is such a fundamental diversity around the world uh, that, 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 that sometimes there are there are simply no overlaps. Yeah. But uh, but two two main uh, two main ways are always there. It's the I mean you, you said it's by territory birth? and birth, the territory mm-hmm. and 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 parents. Okay. Okay. And yeah. and usually they are fused, of course. So yeah. if if you look even at ancient Athens, uh, they had this belief of. Of uh, being born from the from the soil, from the earth, of the city st- of the city state itself, uh, of course, <laughs> generations ago. So uh-huh. it's it's a xenophobic myth ultimately, because because no matter how well you behave, no matter how well you know the laws of Ath- of Athens, if you're not from there, uh, you stand no chance, because simply you're not connected by blood to the sacred earth. Of the republic, uh, and 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 this is what and this is what we have, of course, in a slightly changed form mm-hmm. in, in in contemporary European societies and also societies elsewhere. There I mean, you've a- mentioned territory, family, but are there any other ways? Well, the, gain? The, it depends on the, con- the, the country. The, so maybe the, the, you, maybe you've ways. encountered very creative ways. I mean, of course, there's the new stories that you can buy citizenship somewhere. Well, it's not really um, new. We, 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 <laughs> can, we can speak about it because even if, uh, in fact, it's the more it's, it's one of the most traditional ways because <laughs> because in order in order to be allowed to settle somewhere and then and, and to fall under some some uh, under the law of that place that you somehow like or where you happen to be, mm-hmm. uh, you need to pay in or you need to you need to show uh, to the people inhabiting that place that that, that you have some use and that, and that's something that uh, that was for. Formalized very rigorously, for instance, in the in, in the German Empire in in the 19th century, depending on the prestige of your of your city of your uh, of your, of your particular German state, the payments varied many 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 times. Mm-hmm. So if you want to reside in Hamburg, it it, it could be it could, it could be a huge payment. And then uh, if if you take a less prestigious and uh, uh, some godforsaken place in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> for instance, Liechtenstein, uh, yeah, then yeah. Uh, then of course, it, it yeah. might be almost for almost for free, mm-hmm. and then uh, next to family and, and territory, of course, it's naturalization. The interesting thing, once once the German Empire functions through payments, naturalizations, of course, were presumed naturalizations. Once you paid and you start residing in some place, it's expected that you will become a citizen of that place, and that will that will happen ex lege. So one day you will simply. Uh, have the tax officer at your, at your door who will inform you uh, that uh, today, taxes, today, <laughs> yeah, today you need to pay, and yeah, tomorrow, yeah. by the way, please pack up. Uh, we are fighting against some state next door, uh, so most likely you and your sons and uh, and and your servants will have to die in that war because now you are citizens, and then and then try to claim that you are not. 
once you have paid. So uh, it's uh, the, the, this is how naturalizations naturalizations used to work in some places. And but is, is it just now the, it's, the, the, the 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 extra economical power that comes with a rich person moving to that state to allow them in? To the city. If you, if you were moving to Hamburg and then you had to pay, let's say, 2000, 200,000 mark, whatever it was, um, the, the number was probably so high because they knew, okay, when, if you have so much money, you'll also contribute to society in a higher way than someone that couldn't. Or was it just a pure way of, okay, I, I need the 200,000 and then we, we've made some money off you and now you can live your life. Like usually the reasoning is pretty much down to earth. You, you, you need to, you need the people who, uh, who, who can help you, uh, mm -hmm. supporting the status quo. Yeah. So in, in whatever, <laughs> in whatever way they can do it, mm -hmm. it's best. So then, uh, the, the, the core aspect of citizenship is the concept of a good citizen. So it's a servile, it's a servile uh, notion basically, because a good citizen is someone Uh, who will never argue for a radical change and who will also not be disinterested enough in order to, and in order not to care about local politics or local state of affairs mm -hmm. as presented by those in power. Uh, so, so then, uh, the, the most hated citizens are the ones uh, that like all this, the hippies and vagabonds who don't really care about <laughs> the state of the American Union, who uh -huh. don't want to die in Vietnam, uh, who, who go to, too frequently to, uh, to Canada, this kind of guys or, Uh, the communists or the, oh, the, yeah, the yeah, disruptors, yeah. those who want to change the state. So, in fact, citizenship as a as as a, as a legal notion, which is which is presented to us usually, uh, usually in 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 terms of self government and and identity and and some God given association with others, is a randomly distributed servile uh, servile legal uh, bond of allegiance, which you cannot which you cannot easily renounce. Mm -hmm. So the, you are claimed you are claimed by an authority, and then you are expected to behave. In the ways which are already ingrained in the status quo of how that how that authority governs the society, and it and it's, it's the same from a democracy to the uh, to the to the to the worst totalitarian regime mm. anywhere in the world. Just uh, just keep it quiet, low profile, <laughs> or you will uh, you will be Patrice Lumumba and you will be dead. So in, in and then all the all the great revolutionaries we have in mind are precisely those who. Uh, who were not shy to overthrow uh, the regimes, which which they thought were not uh, were, were not really helpful, yeah, uh, yeah. and and then uh, we we only know them as great citizens because they because they succeeded. The yeah. majority of the the majority of uh, like minded succeed. people didn't <laughs> succeed, but then even uh, greater majority are those who simply don't care. Yeah, so yeah. then uh, the th citizen, that's why th that's why for me as someone coming from the Soviet Union, it's 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 always really painful to read European propaganda about activating citizens, about explaining to the stupid citizens the importance of the European Parliament, explaining oh, the importance so of the, the European the, Union. The, the, the approach uh, that the 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 Commission is taking now. Okay, that we we have. This anti-European um, sentiment, so we have to tell them why we are so amazing. Yeah. So the, the approach, right. the, the well, the, the basic starting presumption is somehow a, a very enlightened authority is governing a bunch of disinterested, <laughs> slightly retarded bastards who need to be explained what is good for them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it might work with some, but with others it will not, because be because uh, plenty of people are naturally disinterested and they have uh, they have other priorities. So then, uh, so then democracy 
precisely is a is, is is so attractive because it doesn't require you to love the leader like like the majority of totalitarian states would and that's why and that's why democracies actually endure and produce uh, produce uh, great results so once uh, once you start explaining why the european parliament is great uh, this this sounds a little bit brezhnevian to me yeah. and, uh, and 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 this is not the way to to run uh, to, to run successful successful political campaigns, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, since we're in the Netherlands now, what what I know from at least the um, naturalization procedure here in the Netherlands that you can apply for citizenship after five years, or you have the right to do so. Um, but what they introduced recently is that you have to do a test, which basically tests you on what is Dutch, what isn't. Um, oh, that's that's, uh, well, that's very, the... uh, for everyone out there. Um, there's a very funny video online um, <clears throat> from uh, the, the talk show Sondag mit Lubach, um, where, where he basically shows this test, and then the question is: Ali goes into a supermarket and sees someone else. No, uh, Ali's friend wants to work in the supermarket, and also friend B wants to work there. What does Ali think? That the supermarket manager thinks should be hired, or is a very very weird question that even Dutch people wouldn't be able to, I know, grasp somehow. So right? where the, so where does it come from? It's a it's yeah, a, it's a very it's a very interesting right? story thing because now in the in in contemporary liberal democracies, uh, the main principle of uh, that, that guides the living together of of all the human beings assembled in society is tolerance. So you need to be you need to be able to to have a productive life next to others who might who might hold radically different views compared with yourself mm-hmm. without killing them without raping them without uh, without veiling them without pretending necessarily that they don't exist by her by uh, harassing <laughs> them legally for yeah, instance yeah, what okay. happened uh, what happened to women until the uh, until the middle of the 20th century they, they didn't have any rights although they were citizens so de facto citizenship as a masculine status mm-hmm. uh Basically closed uh, closed its eyes entirely on on more than half of the population, and I'm not speaking about uh, about race because this is this is an even better story. Uh, we we can speak about the yeah. uh, so citizenship then ultimately is a is a is a racist masculine uh, servile status of absolute submission that is uh, distributed randomly at birth. Uh, a, a horrible kind of thing, which, which nevertheless had, had some pro- progressive, uh, progressive role to play, uh, as well in the past. And we can, we can speak about that. But, uh, but coming back to the citizenship tests. So as long as the states now don't really believe that it's their main, main function to, to, to forge the good citizen, to tell you and to tell me what we have to think. And uh, to, to harass us into into high mm-hmm. levels of servility, what was uh, what was the, the the general state of affairs, say fifty, uh, one hundred years ago, uh, where you would uh, you you would not be able to, uh, to to behave differently from from the majority on the majority on the majority of issues. Now, tolerance being the uh, being the most sacred, uh, the, the the most sacred postulate of citizenship. Uh, there is still a need to to uphold the mythology of of common identity and values. So, if tolerance is the only value, then it automatically switches off any claims that there are differences, say, between Dutch citizenship and Danish citizenship. And then it plays out in such a way that states try to 
try to promote the myth of difference and uh, the, the separate national way precisely through through these tests at naturalization. That's why all these tests cannot possibly make sense by <laughs> definition, because yeah, yeah. because what is tested, if we are faithful to uh, to the to the book of liberal democracy, is is precisely tolerance and openness rather than closure, which is which is the only point behind any test. So I had to pass this test in this country, and and, and I wrote a small <laughs> paper uh, which is called Mifrau de Jong hat eaten." The the Mrs. Mrs. De Jong goes to eat because one of the questions was like this: uh, they show a small video to you, and 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 there is a there is a there is a, a fat lady and the lean lady, and they and they speak to each other, and then and then the the larger lady says. Uh, well, I'm going to eat now. Ikhanuator. <laughs> and then, and then the leaner lady, uh, looks puzzled. The test stops. The leaner lady, of course, uh, wears a muslin veil and uh, the, the, the video stops. And this, uh, silly immigrant, uh, probably not really integrated muslin woman, uh, who is not large, who is not as large <laughs> as, 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 uh, as, as the ideal citizen prototype. Uh, is uh, is there to answer this question? So how do I react to this? And and this is a multiple choice. So you get you get the options like this. Uh, Mifrau de Jong invited me to eat with her. Mifrau de Jong will probably invite me later. I am not welcome to eat with Mifrau de Jong now. So, <laughs> so then I chose. I am not welcome oh to God. eat with Mifrau de Jong now. And now I am Dutch. <laughs> this has uh, this has a lot to say about about what the citizenship tests are about. Uh, there, there was there was a better uh, example actually. The also a video uh, again a, a lady wearing a wearing a uh, veil goes to. Go I mean that seems to be the typical picture of an immigrant, right? I mean I've mentioned yes, Ali yes, earlier yes. because in the test it was actually Ali. It wasn't Benedict from Germany, right? Precisely because <laughs> uh, because Benedict from Germany would be would be insane to naturalize over here, uh, <laughs> but unless you are a fetishist of political inclusion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless you believe that it's it's really overwhelmingly indispensable uh, to bring your vote, etc. But since since this country is one of the last in Europe. Uh, that doesn't tolerate really the accumulation of nationalities. Uh, if, if you come from any other country in the, in the developed world in terms of high HDI and high economic power of your state, mm -hmm. it may, it makes no sense to naturalize here because you will lose your, uh, you will lose your original nationality then. That's why, the, that's why the videos are absolutely right. You need to be from a country like Morocco, Tunis, etc., uh, the countries which basically don't exist as providers of high-quality statuses uh, on my index, because their citizenship is not about rights. Their citizenship is about liabilities. So mm -hmm. these are people who are uh, who are by definition, uh, unless they are blinded by by nationalist uh, uh, excitement. <clears throat> Uh, who are by definition much much worse off than than anyone who yeah. who is born with a Dutch status and who are by definition willing to uh, to change uh, the, the 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 status that has been ascribed to them by birth. Uh, so so that they are in those videos and those videos basically uh, tell us what the state that that introduced the tests thinks about those whom it welcomes as immigrants, and and somehow in in the Dutch political life we know that the Dutch state only wants people from uh, from much poorer countries uh, who who can barely uh, who can barely speak the language and who look very different from 
f- from what uh, what what we see in the in the majority of the Dutch streets. So it's it's an appalling and one-sided picture which totally ignores the people like yourself and and like me. But so let me give the example mm-hmm. of that. The second one. Uh, of, of that. Yeah, this is the second uh, uh, culture kind of tolerance uh, test example. Uh, the gentleman says, uh, or the, 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 this lady who, who came to the, to the municipality tells the, the municipal worker, I would like to naturalize now. And, and the municipal worker then uh, tells her, did you know that if you have fines standing on your name amounting to up to 350 euros over the last year, you cannot submit the documents now. <laughs> Everything freezes. The video stops. What do you and do? Then, and then what do you do? Exactly. <laughs> there are three, uh, three uh, types of answer you can, you can give. The first one, I didn't know. The second one, I, I, I never drink while driving. The third one, <laughs> my fines amount to 230 euros this year. <laughs> so then only one of these is correct. Of course, it's a moralist xenophobic test. So, uh, knowing that, uh, we can, we can only give one, uh, one response. That response is, of course, I never drink while driving. That's why I'm Dutch. I don't have a driver's license. Uh, but, uh, but that's, uh, that, that's the kind of answer that was expected. And if, if you answer dozens of these, then, then you're, you're accepted as, uh, as one of those who are entitled to the status. So this, uh, this teaches us how absurd, uh, so this, really just uh, about knowing what they want to hear instead of, I mean, of course, no, it's just, yeah. it's just but, knowing that they have installed all this for, uh, for their own self indulgence in the idea of national uniqueness, while it cannot possibly exist since they have chosen liberal democracy. So then knowing that the choice has been made, although it's a kingdom, I, 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 I could close my eyes at this, uh, at this absolutely despicable test because, uh, because I know that it, uh, it, it, it cannot be relevant. But, but do, you, do you really believe that the government has insu- introduced this test to only make sure that the people that nationalize know the values or isn't it just another instrument to keep them Well, usually the best uh, the, the best way to treat what the government tells you is to is to is to doubt that. So, uh, so if if a motivation is disclosed, uh, then most likely there is some other motivation. This test is for the for the internal consumption, not external consumption. So this test is to show the uh, more xenophobic part of the Dutch of the Dutch population that the government is doing a lot in order to keep the influx of immigrants out. out. Yeah, uh, yeah, there is no uh, there is no other function behind humiliating people like myself or like anyone who comes from any other country and and has made the Netherlands uh, have made the Netherlands their home so so basically the 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 presumption behind the test even now in this world of tolerance where good citizenship is not is not anymore a strictly enforced ideal is that is that if you don't come from this country then somehow your culture your values Uh, your aspirations, your language, everything is is of a ridiculously low value, and and probably it's not not good enough in terms of culture. It's barbaric, and uh, and then this uh, this uh, strong message, you are barbaric, is something that uh, that all the people I encountered at that test uh, had uh, realized very strongly. Uh, it's 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 very well understood. Uh, so so the, the the there was an American lady, ironically, uh, sitting next to me. <laughs> then, the, the, then we had the coffee the with test, her. You mean? Uh, yeah, the uh, test. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, we had the coffee with her, and she told me, "Well, uh, the, the 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 society really despise, uh, despises everything I'm about, it's, uh, especially the the basic ability to 
think. Mm. Uh, and, and, and this is, uh, this is of course, the wrong message to send. No, it is, definitely. Um, so it's a, but uh, besides naturalizations, and, and of course, these tests are absolutely, absolutely not necessary in order to, in order to run a successful state. Uh, even if you have uh, a huge percentage of of xenophobic population, uh, it's always a, it's it's always an issue how far you need to go in order to appease them. If uh, if uh, appeasing them means humiliating others at random mm-hmm. uh, for no reason whatsoever, with no possible uh, possible results uh, to, to to be achieved, which would improve the state the state of affairs in the country in yeah. in any possible degree. But uh, but so we come to to the three types of acquisition of citizenship. It's you are claimed by birth because of the territory, you, like in the U.S. You are claimed by birth because of your parents, like in Germany, or you take a decision by yourself to naturalize somewhere, and then you f- you follow the rules of naturalization in the place where you naturalize. And here, statistics uh, is is very interesting on who actually. Uh, how the citizenships are acquired around the world. Uh, 98% of, of the world's population acquires citizenship uh, at the moment of birth with, mm. uh, without any kind of rational thinking involved or any kind of decisions yeah. <laughs> to be taken. So, uh, so it's something that is absolutely feudal and predestined. It's, it's breed plus is the soil. Uh, that's why it cannot it cannot possibly be presented as a community of value. Yeah, the community of mm. citizens is a, is a randomly assigned uh, bunch of people uh, who, when they when they stop believing that they should be together, uh, usually face uh, face violence from the part of the state uh, through through different channels in order to in in order to get some reawakening. Uh, I mean, you've hinted at it earlier, but what happens if you actually get a new citizenship? So let's say I have the Russian one, I come here, I get the Dutch citizenship. What happens with my old one? Well, that's uh, if we go down to earth uh, in terms <laughs> of citizenship declaration, yes. Uh, the, the general trend has always been uh, until, say, 30, 40 years ago, not to tolerate cumulations. Yeah. So you would have one citizenship, and you will be a citizen of one country. Uh, uh, famously, George Bancroft, who was uh, who was the uh, the U.S. man behind all the agreements that that allowed for the change of citizenship in the first place, uh, was strongly against against accumulation, comparing mm-hmm. this to uh, to polygamous marriages, <laughs> which are absolutely repugnant. <laughs> Why should you be unfaithful to your country? And of course, you are if you have uh, if you have many citizenships. But what he was behind, and this is the the beginning of the second half of the nineteenth century, is is the ability to change citizenship in the first place. Because the status quo for hundreds and hundreds of years was perpetual perpetual mm-hmm. allegiance. Yeah, mm-hmm. and perpetual allegiance was the key principle of English law. Uh, it means that once you're born under the king, you're always with the king, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you always owe to the king by virtue of being born uh, under his protection. Let's call it that way. Uh, that's why it's protection. It's a yeah. protection. Uh, it's a protection racket. Uh, so, so perpetual allegiance, uh, when when it uh, when it ceased being the main principle of of citizenship law around the world. Uh, actually, th- that was that was a fundamentally important change 
that that the world that the world was facing, and and this this happened under the pressure from the United States because of course uh, the U.S. plus uh, the, the 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 British dominions within the empire needed people. And those people would migrate, and of course, uh, the questions of status would immediately emerge mm-hmm. once once you once you became an American uh, upon arrival and upon having set up a life there. Uh, how can you then deal with your allegiance with the previous sovereign? And and in in that kind of uh, in in those kind of circumstances, of course, it probably made sense not to tolerate the the accumulation of nationalities because you had to get rid of the unreasonable claims well all the claims based on uh, the status which you haven't chosen which mm. uh, and which is totalitarian and, and sexist <laughs> and racist <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. and and which is servile uh, unreasonable but it, at least one of the sovereigns uh, mm-hmm. claims the sovereign who who controls the territory which you decided to leave uh, and which which is a very very important issue uh, that, that that was fundamentally important but now in in the contemporary world we see we see a total reversal of of the paradigm of intolerance so of, since the beginning of the 90s the uh, the absolute majority of states around the world tolerate dual nationality and there is a there is a great database uh, at the university of maastricht actually which was which was made by Martin Vink, I think, together with uh, together with Professor De Groot, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 they they had other courses, uh, which which uh, even allows you to to visualize the data by building a graph of uh, of the rise of tolerance of dual nationality around the world, and and now that's that's the given that that dual nationality is, t- is tolerated because because it's very difficult to say to say no to that once you believe in liberal democracy. Uh, since uh, since uh, any nationality is uh, is an access to rights, does uh, Germany allow it? Do you know? I, I'm not sure. Uh, yes, of course. So so the so there are different <laughs> there are different degrees right. yeah, of this. Yeah. There are there are absolutely intolerant countries, uh, which which also enforce the the the, the, the renunciations, uh, etc. Et like uh, like Japan, for instance. There are there there are countries which are intolerant on paper but tolerant in practice, mm-hmm. like Spain. There, there are countries that are that are tolerant to different people, and of course, nationality is a legal is a legal given. So it's a, a, a they will they will judge people based on the other passport rather than any other any other criteria. That's Germany. So so if if your other passport is a European passport, then you're fine. You can you can have as many as you want. Uh-huh. If your other passport is Russian, Indian, American, or Canadian, then unfortunately you're not good enough. Uh, Germans don't like the Turks. Uh, legally speaking, I so, just wanted so to say because so I have several the, friends uh, during my childhood in Berlin that, that were from, originally from Turkey, right? And then I think by their twenty first or twenty twenty uh, second birthday, they had to decide which passport to take. So it's, uh, and then it's of course the pressure, right? I mean, you you don't want a Turkish passport and living in, in Berlin or Germany, right? Well, you, you don't you, want the Turkish passport full stop, <laughs> and that's that, that's yeah, why yeah, I created uh, the index because yeah. if you look at if you look at where Turkey stands in terms of the rights that the from the emotional for you, perspective. Maybe, huh? And the emotional perspective is, of course, profoundly misleading. We can uh, <laughs> we, we, we can speak about this. So, and and there are countries that that are absolutely tolerant. And this is the so after after Germany, which is halfway tolerant, and the absolutely tolerant countries are now the majority in the world. So it's oh, wow. uh, it's it's it, it, it's Italy, it's the U.S., it's uh, it's it's Mexico, it's uh, it's it's Russian, it's the Russian Federation, it's it's the U.K., it's France. So. 
uh, basically all the all 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 the leading countries uh, uh, shady democracies or real democracies it doesn't matter toleration is simply the general global trend uh, and in this sense uh, a couple of western european countries of course stand out the, the netherlands being the leader and before the netherlands was in a kind of good company uh, of other comp- other countries with similar concerns that was denmark and norway uh, denmark changed the law a couple of years ago and norway is changing the law now so mm-hmm. so the netherlands is uh, is becoming uh, the, the basically the last unreasonable kind of country standing yeah, uh, yeah. because to because to pretend that uh, someone has to give up rights uh, in order to in order to gain access to a community where those who, those who are born with several status, of course, are not asked to do that is discrimi- discriminatory and also absurd in terms of the gains that the state receives. Because it's difficult to say that uh, the, the Dutch king rejoices as a result of of some, uh, uh, say, American losing the rights to to vote in American elections, or uh, losing the rights to uh, to pay less when studying at the U.S. university, mm-hmm. uh, presuming that the, there is still residence in some uh, in, in in one of the U.S. states. Uh, so uh, P- Peter Spiro has written a lot of amazing stuff on this, two books and, and several really groundbreaking articles uh, that argue that citizenship is a human right. So mm-hmm. so requiring renunciation means that you require someone to, for no reason whatsoever, to get rid of fundamental political rights and also rights of of presence and work in in a jurisdiction that has nothing to do with yours so this is this is simply not none of the business for the state where where a person is naturalizing uh, this of course so, connects- so he's arguing that it's it's it doesn't matter how many citizenships you have every citizenship has their rights in place not only that you need a citizenship in the first place well, every citizenship comes with rights, usually. Well, the, of, although... Sure, but the, 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 index, the normal uh, problem is, right, you have maybe two citizenships or just one, and then for some reason you lose that citizenship and then you're stateless. But he's arguing that even if you have two citizenships and you lose one of the two, you're still losing rights that come with that, and this is why it's yes, a violation of, yes, of, of human rights. Okay, okay. Uh, That's interesting. Of course, uh, well, pl- plenty of people would bring identity in, but uh, identity, identity is a very dubious kind of uh, reaffirmation <laughs> of rights because it can only it can only work negatively. Uh, because if we if if we look at identity, uh, no matter how how much you feel you belong in the U.S., you might be very fluent in the language, you you follow politics, you dislike Trump, uh, you you read the New Yorker every day. And then one day you show up at the U.S. Uh, uh, border crossing point, for instance, on, on the island of Aruba uh, with your Tanzanian passport, and they will laugh at you and uh, basically send you away because you claim that uh, you are you are American because your culture is American, your mind and your heart uh, are American mm-hmm. is, is of no value since citizenship is a legal status, which is, uh, which is randomly assigned. Yeah. So the, this kind of your heart is American would work in Poland if your heart is Polish and you're active in the diaspora, then you're welcome. It's okay. when, when uh, just check <laughs> yeah, uh, for, for uh, <laughs> handy for everybody to know. Uh-huh. Uh, but it doesn't work with America. 
so I, identity only only works when an American who is uh, who is born in America and who wants to humiliate someone who is just as American but uh, but, but uh, somehow is disliked by the majority population would then invoke the the culture argument saying uh, this guy is actually an Ecuadorian not an American uh, exactly what uh, what you said about your Turkish friends in Germany mm-hmm. or why are they Turkish friends uh, let's let's speak about identity yeah, that their yeah. passports most likely are exactly the same are exactly the same as yours now mm-hmm. uh, so in order to perpetuate this difference which is uh, which which is biased against minorities all around the yeah, world uh, identity is always deployed in a negative way once again it's impossible to deploy identity positively because uh, because simply by virtue of uh, the functioning of citizenship as a legal abstraction identity is not an argument to be considered in the absolute majority of cases when uh, when 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 you claim that that you have your, that you have your status you will simply not have uh, an attentive ear turned to you by by the state that you are trying to enter where you are trying to settle so this uh, so so much for identity we've established earlier that it were the empires and the cities then uh, the states themselves issuing citizenships and maybe we can shift into the direction of the so-called European Union EU citizenship and how this came up and what this actually is because then is it still the member states that give the citizenship or is it maybe the European Union um maybe you could just briefly introduce the whole idea of the European Union citizenship oh yeah i taught a seminar at the college of europe on this which was probably 36 36 hours uh but in in, in a nutshell uh I mean, we, we also read time, we also yeah. read a couple of cases of course uh in a in a nutshell uh, european citizenship is just like any other citizenship as a legal status of belonging provided by an authority that claims a particular population so it's it's a it's an instrument of uh it's an object and instrument of closure in 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 Bruba, in Brubacher's, uh sense mm-hmm. because because the the treaties establish who will who will be the bearers of the status and the, the treaties establish what kind of rights those people will have uh, and of course uh, the, the, what we read in article 90 you in and in, in the second uh, part of tfeu is that you need to have a nationality of a member state you know to be a citizen of the to be a citizen of the union but that's not uh, that's that's just access and you can uh, you, you can you can get the status of i different ways all around the world and all in all the polities mm-hmm. so i wrote the, the the fact that the access to the status as derivative doesn't necessarily make the kind of rights that you receive derivative rights so i i'm inclined to Uh, to approach EU citizenship as just an ordinary citizenship, uh, which, which, which looks very similar to others in the world. Of course, there are differences. So it doesn't, it, it doesn't work alone. Just like the citizenship of New Jersey doesn't work alone. Mm-hmm. Just like the, the, just like the citizenship of, uh, of, uh, the Republic of Geneva, uh, doesn't work alone. But this only makes the picture, the picture more interesting. Because in fact, if you if you look at the fundamental cleavage that exists in the EU between citizens and foreigners, it's exactly the same like the cleavage that exists between citizens and foreigners in the US. Exactly the same like in India. Exactly the same like in Russia, etc., etc. And in 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 the EU, actually, it's it's much worse. It's it's more far-reaching. That's why uh, Bolivar called it uh, apartheid européen, uh, since the EU is about is about 
a territory that is that is governed on the premises of the internal market. So the four freedoms, the, the idea that uh, borders between states don't exist precisely for citizens, but as long as you don't have a citizenship, you're confined to one of the member states. So basically all the legal reality of the EU crumbles. It, it disappears into thin air. If you're an Indian living in Estonia, then Estonia is, is, is precisely the, uh, the ceiling and the, the limit of your, of, of your opportunities and of your, of your aspirations, unless you want to change, to change the country. And for that, you need to, to go through very cumbersome processes. Uh, so the, the internal market doesn't exist for you. And given that the majority of regulation in all the member states now comes from comes from the European supranational structures mm-hmm. and, and the very mode of thinking, uh, also, I think we can state this uh, safely, uh, comes from the EU, the whole idea that, uh, that, 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 that Europe is a common working living space yeah. uh, is something that we as citizens of the European Union do not share with all the, with all the foreigners who live among us. And who make, who make part often of our societies. Uh, this means that unlike the US, where a foreigner has access to all the territory, has the rights protected in all the territory, and, uh, and can dream of, uh, uh, him or herself as a, as a, as a full part, even, even without, without the status, uh, playing a role in the country. Good, but the, the United States is absolutely also not that. one state, right? I mean, well, it the, doesn't matter because the EU is also one state for you and the EU is one state for me. This is, this is exactly the trouble. It's not about labels. It's a, it's, it's about how the law functions and how the law shapes, uh, shapes the horizon opportunities in human lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the EU is one state for you once, once you're seeking for, once you're looking for employment. Uh, once you decide where to, where to, where to live, uh, and once once you decide basically uh, why you're upset uh, if if you're discriminated against as a German based on based on being a German, yeah, uh, the right. same the U.S. is one state for an American citizen. But then if uh, if I take my Dutch passport and travel to the U.S., the U.S. is one state, and if an American takes uh, takes uh, her American passport and comes here. Uh, then suddenly it's a it's a, it's big, it's the German Empire again, <laughs> uh, and 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 nobody seems to be speaking about it uh, critically enough. The, the European Commission has been very active, uh, releasing all kinds of scribbles uh, about the equalization of rights uh, between citizens and, uh, and 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 third country nationals, about how we need to give more substance to third country national status, etc. But uh, this this hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, because you, 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 because you, once you move. Right, right by right, uh. you don't tackle the main problem, which is the fragmentation of the common of the common space which the European Union has created. I mean, you've mentioned the the treaty of the functioning of the European Union on the functioning of the European Union mentions in Article Twenty, I think Twenty and following, um, the citizenship rights. Also, that every citizen, well. Uh, but that European Union citizens have the following rights. If you're a member of a member state, then you are a European Union citizen. Um, and then you talk about how it doesn't go anywhere at the moment into maybe a more federalistic approach um, within the European Union. But when we look back to the to the development of the citizenship, the European Union citizenship, it wasn't as easy as it seems, right? I mean, the, the Danish were opposed against this idea of a citizenship, maybe because they've misunderstood it in the first place. Um, well, but- you, you are still in the world of labels, 
<laughs> like, uh, but uh, but uh, Europe is not a state. Uh, f- forgetting that uh, it is a state for you, and uh, the label citizenship is is misleading and uh, and often irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you once you look at the at the practical functioning of the legal statuses that are distributed by by authorities around the world, so citizenship only appears as a label around yeah. around French Revolution. Uh, the first French Revolution, but uh, but the legal status of of allegiance of belonging that would entitle you to, to fundamental right. rights, it, mm-hmm. it's it's eternal, yeah. and it 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 would it would uh, that that status would shape your uh, your everything your 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 desires your the ceiling of your of your possibilities your your opportunities the the the, the length of your life etc. It it still does, and now it's called citizenship. So now we know if you uh, to go a little bit outside of Europe, if if you are born with uh, with the citizenship of the Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, then the likelihood of you reaching the age of five is fifty times lower uh, than uh, com- compared with someone who who was born with a Finnish status in Finland. Yeah. Uh, so and 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 as long as uh, the borders are impenetrable between Congo and Finland for all kinds of reasons, uh, citizenship becomes one of the main instruments of. Uh, of uh, instilling, uh, of of perpetuating uh, discrimination and uh, this uh, discrepancy in 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 development and opportunities that people experience. So now, if 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 you if we move back uh, to the European Union, la- claiming that labels are not as important. Maastricht should not be fetishized as the starting point of citizenship, because uh, because citizenship <laughs> appears. Enough, yeah. Citizenship appears immediately after any kind of authority that can meaningfully provide any kind of added value for you or that can humiliate you efficiently enough mm-hmm. by, by precisely destroying your life uh, has outlined you as one of the recipients of humiliation or rights. So that's, uh, that, that, that's where citizenship comes from. Uh, and then uh, on this count... Uh, citizenship as a legal status of belonging that entitles you to something or makes you lose uh, based on what the authority has decided. Uh, citizenship appeared first probably when the Colin Steel Community Treaty entered into force. Uh, of course, it was it was that's a very limited one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but still, that's that's the starting point. And then with the EEC Treaty, obviously, we have a kind of proto citizenship in place. And there is a, there is a lot of citizenship literature actually uh, that that goes back to the to the end of the sixties to the to the beginning of the 70s once you start speaking about the rights uh, that individuals can directly claim in the legal system you are starting to speak the, you are starting to speak the fact about citizenship that's why the best citizenship case and the one with which i always start all my lectures is van henten laws uh, because van henten laws we all, rem- we all remember the case uh, maybe introduce it to the ones that haven't listened it's to any a, it's the it's it's, it's the case where where the, where the European Court of Justice for the first time uh, said that actually uh, European Union law has a direct effect so it can be it can be directly invoked in front of the authorities and all the member states mm-hmm. including especially courts so what did the court then say about the effects of this the court said uh, the uh, the rights that come from the supranational level of the law form the baggage the legal heritage of individuals in all the member states of of the european economic community this legal heritage is precisely 
shorthand for uh, attention, attention, we have citizenship here. So this is, uh, this is the starting point. Once some other authority besides the state that officially gave you your citizenship uh, tells you that actually you have plenty of rights coming from us, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a very good sign. That, uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, somehow being created. As a law student, you've also implied that now, especially when you when you study European law, then van Genten laws is obviously the case that just haunts you all the way down. Um, but I haven't yet looked at that case in that perspective. That it well, actually it, a, no, it, but it makes complete sense that it does create some kind of citizenship, even though it wasn't entitled that, uh, titled that, named that. But it still gives you the rights to invoke the European Union law in whatever member state you are in. And this was also the argument, I think, later on with the Treaty of Maastricht, um, where the Danish then said, no, we don't want this. And then the Commission uh, clarified, or the Council clarified, no, no, there's not such a big difference. Right, we're just giving it the title, and the national states are still able to allow like who is a uh, who is a citizen and who who isn't. Um, and furthermore, when we just in a little bit look at the substantive provisions themselves, right, Article Twenty, it then refers to all of the other parts of the treaty that already has ex been existent before. Yes, yes. So yes. That it, it really just seems to me as a as you said, just an extra layer, a, a term that just codifies. What already has been existent for the, the last fifty years. The interesting thing is that years. terms, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, as you as 30, you put it, years. they they have a life of their own. <laughs> so obviously, in this dance of uh, naivety, pretense, etc., that the EU engaged in with uh, with Denmark, it was absolutely clear to everybody that you once once you once you sow the seeds. Uh, the status will grow and then uh, nothing is what it seems in law usually that's why it makes sense to <laughs> that's why it's, uh, it makes sense to read case law as opposed to yeah. as opposed to the treaties themselves so article article 90 u tells us every every national of a member state is a citizen but in fact it's not quite true because uh, because, because before maastricht there was this concept uh, national of a member state for the purposes of uh, of community law and those are actually eu citizens so in fact you can have a european passport or you can have a passport of a member state which will not be an eu passport and there is case law about this and then and then once uh, once uh, the, the treaties claim that uh, you have de facto the same rights As, uh, as, 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 as the rights you find in the, in the workers' free movement or, or service mm -hmm. providers and service recipients, et cetera, establishment, those rights are not quite the same and they apply to, to a different scope of, uh, of persons actually in the first place. And then once, once most importantly, the treaties claim derivation, uh, this derivation doesn't work one way. Because, uh, because of course, the the, the presumption is that uh, the states control their territory, and then they will assign uh, assign the status of citizenship as part of that exercise of control. Mm -hmm. But once the borders are not there, it's impossible to to make any kind of coherent claim to controlling who is actually uh, present in the state. Yeah. So, so expectedly, although although. Uh, with all respect to the Danes, it's a, it's, 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 and, and nodding to the Danes, it's, it's correct to say that, that EU citizenship is additional. Of course, the, the, the treaties tell us that, uh, the member states realize that, uh, that EU citizens in their territory are not, are not foreigners. Uh, so then once that realization is in place, the laws start changing to treat EU citizens differently compared with other third country nationals 
also in the areas of the law which are not covered by your law necessarily mm-hmm. And, 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 and that is, that is a fundamental movement that has been ongoing. The most, uh, the most vivid example is naturalization. There is no EU law on naturalization unless you, of course, molest people and then you can apply Rotman a little bit. We can speak <laughs> about it. But, yeah. uh, but, uh, it's a given already that, uh, that national law on citizenship applies differently to EU citizens in, in vaguely one third of the member states, uh, compared to third country nationals. To, to give an example, it, it, it will take you uh, twice less time to naturalize in Italy compared with compared with someone who comes, say, from the Moldova Republic, or oh, wow. <laughs> or precisely if if an Italian wants to become German, then there is no renunciation requirement. While if a Turk wants to to become a German, the, there is a renunciation requirement mm-hmm. in place. Uh, the same applies to fees. The same the same applies to the very uh, to the very permission. Uh, to be to, to be in the territory of a state and to to have the clock of naturalization to start ticking, uh, because uh, if an American wants to, to to reside in Germany, it will take it will take her months to to acquire all the documents from the from the German from the German consulate wherever she lives in San mm-hmm. Francisco, and then uh, and and then uh, there, there will be a special visa, and then there will be an application for a residence permit. Uh, there will be huge fees paid. Uh, very often, this application will be denied, and only after you pass through all this hell, you can actually start accumulating the time to naturalize and to become a German citizen, only to be informed that you have to renounce your American one. And now compare compare that with a naturalizing Italian who can simply uh, t- take a Eurolines bus for eleven for eleven euros uh, <laughs> from uh, I don't know from Livorno Centrale and uh, arrive in Berlin start uh, start doing whatever uh, he or she feels like doing in mm-hmm. Germany no questions asked registration is very is, is very easy and then and then naturalize keeping keeping the Italian passport so in practice even even if the law uh, doesn't make it explicit. There is a there is a hell of a difference between between EU citizens and uh, and and uh, third country nationals uh, in 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 the in the member state of residence when there is no overlap between the member state and the status uh, that that you hold. But then uh, the I mean, story- isn't that a logical outcome in a of way? Of course, it's a logical right? outcome. I mean, so so the, when the the, the, the the freedoms exist for <laughs> the the member states and the nationals thereof, right? And, and so then, then discrimination uh, afterwards is fine. I mean, so what's the Danish fuss is about? But the, the Danish fuss <laughs> was not about this. The Danish fuss was about what it is, uh, like what Denmark basically means. Uh, sovereignty, uh, as long as we claim that uh, sovereignty belongs to the people, to the people, is about one thing: to make sure that uh, the people, while self-governing. Uh, somehow improve uh, improve the the conditions of justice in their society. So mm-hmm. the Danes govern the Danes, and then the Danish state is for the Danes, and the, and the, and Denmark loves the, loves the Danes, and that's the reason to become Danish or to be Danish. <laughs> Comes the European Union. Oh, uh, no. non-discrimination on the basis of nationality. So the, so the 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 most sacred element of statehood suddenly uh, goes down the drain. Yeah. It's basically let's flush it <laughs> out, and then and then you have Denmark with uh, with a prohibition of uh, giving priority to the Danes, and then you have a Denmark that uh, that cannot anymore claim that. Uh, Basically, the sovereignty is with the Danish people. Excuse me. So uh, all this makes the makes the declaration uh, null and void, if not absurd, because it was it was absolutely clear that from the setup 
of EU law, but it's not only citizenship. Importantly, it's the internal market. It's the idea mm-hmm. of non-discrimination on the basis of nationality and the idea of uh, of the four freedoms and then the circulation of of different factors of production across the non-existent borders. That that suddenly you have a situation where the relevance of nationality is is strongly in decline in legal terms, and then and then it it was very very predictable that the court of justice suddenly will will start uh, will start remedying the lacuna that necessarily arise or when uh, when the reality that I have just described is is indeed the reality which, which we observe in practice yeah so and that's where Ro- that, that's where Rotman comes from that's where Micheletti comes from a pre-citizenship a pre-citizenship uh, pre- case let's maybe talk a tiny bit about Micheletti and then Rotman because those are at least the, the two um, very important ones for the derived citizenship Ruiz Zambrano is also very important so mm-hmm. uh, but let's uh, let's Let's start with Micheletti. So, yep. uh, the the basic international law on citizenship, as uh, as, as we read from uh, from Notabom in particular, uh, Liechtenstein versus Guatemala, the the most important citizenship decision of the International Court of Justice, uh, is that uh, states are free to recognize or not to recognize the the effects of a, of a nationality legally granted by other states, and uh, and and this is what Micheletti made impossible in in the context of EU law so i i consider Micheletti the first uh, the first card uh because if you if if you look at card the, the the european the european court of justice looks at the fundamental principles of eu law and protects them protects the essence of the legal system against the uh, unwanted influx of laxer norms from outside mm-hmm. uh, be it un law whatever we don't care because uh, because we we consider ourselves a, a, a mature constitutional system, and uh, and the mature constitutional system will always protect itself, and defend itself. But and and this Kadi, the the same Kadi drama first played out in Micheletti, an Argentinian uh, Italian a gentleman who has never been to Italy, and uh, who used uh, who used uh, Italian Italian law on on the, on the grant of citizenships of, of Italian citizenship to to the members of the diaspora, so called, uh, applied for a passport in the in the consulate in Buenos Aires. And then he takes his Italian passport to Spain. He's a dental technician. Mm-hmm. He wants to to use uh, the, the 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 right of establishment under under EEC law. It's pre Maastricht, and uh, and the Spanish authorities tell him, unfortunately, under international law, you have to demonstrate uh, that you have uh, strong links with your <laughs> with your country of nationality, which in this case you claim to be Italy, but we see as uh, Argentina because you've never been to Italy, dear sir, because you don't speak Italian. Because you were born in Argentina, you're raised in Argentina, because you studied in Argentina, because your diploma is in Argentina that you want to use establishing yeah. your mm-hmm. dental dental practice here. So basically, unfortunately, EU law doesn't apply to you. And the European Court of Justice went furious. The the Advocate General, <laughs> uh, who happened to be an Italian in that case, said that the international law invoked by Spain be- belongs to the romantic period of international oh, law. Beautiful. And romantic beautiful. is not used... Uh, as a as a positive term, uh, I, 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 I fear to report in, in in this particular case. So basically, the Court of Justice established that it's 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 indispensable and it's an obligation of the on the member states to recognize 
uh, each other's nationalities, which are which are legally acquired. Uh, because uh, an alternative would be uh, giving the member states uh, basically carte blanche and trying to deny the status itself in 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 then uh, obstructing obstructing free movement and destroying the internal market. So that's the first citizenship case, important citizenship case, which is pre-citizenship, and which is obviously untie the text of Article Nine and untie Part Two if if you stretch it a little bit, uh, because it's precisely against what the member states can do. Yeah, yeah. And the second and more important case against what the member states can do that goes beyond mutual recognition, but uh, already comes to uh, to the issue of actually withdrawal and uh, uh, and acquisition is is Rotman when when uh, a crook who is uh, uh, who is the, escaping the yeah who is escaping persecution uh, <laughs> drives out of Austria. Uh, and naturalizes in Germany precisely because uh, because he can uh, yeah. because that's EU law that that allows him to enter EU law that allows him to stay uh, because uh, Germany would wouldn't extradite him after that's also an important part uh, so so, uh, so the <laughs> The, the collision that arose that that that, that yeah. is relevant for that is relevant for us is uh, is is whether you can lose all the statuses of citizenship the Austrian the German and and the European as a result of having used your European rights basically because uh, as a result of his free movement rights uh, granted by uh -huh. supranational law uh, he acquired the chance to naturalize of course naturalization itself uh didn't come as as uh, as as an outpouring of of european level uh rights but uh, but it's directly connected to what uh, to to what happened in the case and 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 then for the first time the european court of justice was confronted with uh with, with this dilemma what to do uh with uh, with a with a member state that uh that is about to withdraw a nationality of uh, of someone who will uh, who will remain stateless as a result of naturalizing having used european citizenship rights and of course the the the, the case is uh, the case is fundamentally important for us because uh, because the court didn't mention the 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 use of uh, the the use of a, any kind of european rights in the case at all so it's it's not a case about cro about cross border mo movement it's a case about the importance of the status as such where the court tells us actually if the member state acts within its own absolute realm of competence which is which is the granting or the withdrawal the, the withdrawal of nationality uh, the member state still has to take eu law into account yeah. most uh, most importantly the principle of uh, the principle of proportionality mm -hmm. and the court was uh, was full of tact so the court tells <laughs> us uh, okay it will be up to the german court as it should be yeah, uh, yeah. up to the german court to decide what actually happens of course rotman is stateless now uh, so he has uh, uh, because germans uh, germans uh, as as one would expect uh, of course it's it's utterly unreasonable but but anyway, uh, he, he became stateless only because he lied to the german authorities about his prior but the, but the, so, or, yeah so the question uh, the question for the german court to decide was how to apply proportionality in this case so uh, so was the distress of statelessness uh, more uh, okay. important yeah. compared with statelessness not not statelessness as such but the loss of european level rights this mm -hmm. is fundamental because uh, because uh, statelessness is, is is not part of the of the universe of european citizenship yet 
Although, of course, it comes via the back door and it will keep on knocking. Thanks, God. Yeah. Uh, so the distress of the loss of European rights, as opposed to the need of building an honest uh, community of German <laughs> citizens uh, who love and understand each other at the first sight <laughs> and, and who find themselves Coming back to the uh, so comfortable, thing. yeah, so comfortable in the, in 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 the in this uh, uh, terrestrial paradise which is Germany. And of mm -hmm. course, the, 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 the German court uh, chose terrestrial paradise. So the guy is stateless, but it doesn't matter for us because the principle has been established. And the principle that the court of justice has established is that, uh, surprise, surprise, the general principle that you cannot obstruct EU law uh, by, by acting against the EU law within your own sphere of competences uh, also applies to the realm of citizenship. So you cannot, you cannot obstruct EU law, uh, by, uh, in, in this case, the, the status, the fundamental status of EU citizenship, uh, by simply ignoring its existence when you take national level decisions, uh, concerning, uh, concerning nationality. Yeah. So and and then and then the same line of cases got uh, got further developed and in mm -hmm. Zambrano. So it's uh, citizenship is, uh, is 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 on the rise uh, since Rotman and uh, Rotman, Micheletti, and Ruiz Zambrano basically demonstrate why the Danish declaration is 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 pure absurdity and and uh, and the mere exercise in in an empty rhetoric, uh, especially knowing that the Danes uh, the Danes filed the declaration. Dozens of years after the principle of non-discrimination on the basis of nationality has been already part of EU law. Yeah, it's non-discrimination yeah, yeah. on the basis of nationality, nothing else mm. that basically cancels the citizenships of the member states as far as any substance goes. Because if, uh, and, and this, this is of fundamental importance. As long as you are not entitled by law, in, within the within the sphere of application of EU law, which is which is constantly growing, uh, to to discriminate against uh, those who don't hold to, who don't hold your own status, you basically don't have a citizenship. Yeah. Uh, so so when we speak about citizenship in the European Union at this point, uh, it's it's absolutely clear that uh, that European Union citizenship has an unstoppable potential, as it were, not because I want it so, but simply because uh, because of how the internal market plus the plus European citizenship, the tandem of the mm -hmm. two, uh, chronically and structurally are built precisely to undermine the nationalities the of the member states. Yeah, yeah. So, so nobody can make a claim, uh, a convincing claim that uh, nationalities of the member states can be developing in harmony uh, somehow with the citizenship of the European Union. This is simply not mm -hmm. how the law works. And, and ironically, the Soviet Union, uh, theorists saw that. So, uh, I mean, this is, this is a bizarre okay. aside. So if you, if, if you look at the reception of, of the European, European Economic, uh, Community Treaty, uh, in the, in the Warsaw Pact countries, there was, there was an outpouring of writing saying basically, but these countries are destroying themselves. And they only do it to merge together and come stronger against us. So uh, and 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 there were and, and and there was a lot of there was a lot of writing basically debunking uh, the myths that of uh, of a strict delimitation of limited sovereignty of the EEC uh, precisely that uh, uh, the, the debunking the idea that non-discrimination based on nationality is not is is not actually that far-reaching and doesn't go against the the core of uh, of member state sovereignty. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there is a lot of there is a lot of 
there are plenty of parallels between the Soviet writings from the from the end of the sixties, partly propaganda, partly a little bit of thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the and 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 the critical writings about sovereignty in the context of EU law mm-hmm. that's starting popping up uh, from right on, yeah. from Florence and from uh, from elsewhere in the in in the beginning of this century or in 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 the, in, in, in in the in the last years of the of the previous uh, of the previous century. Yeah. So it's if if you put a little bit of thinking into it, it was absolutely clear from the very beginning. That there is no harmony at all between between the member states, a sovereign entities based on this mythology of self-government and 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 the internal market plus citizenship tandem. Let's talk about how I, as a German, can or what I get out of this European Union citizenship. So when I'm back in Germany, can I can I refer to my European citizenship when I go somewhere in Germany and rely upon that citizenship? Or am I in Germany still the German? And then only if I go to the Netherlands or any other European Union country, then that citizenship comes important. Becomes there important. is this uh, wonderful book by Scott, who is a Yale professor of history, uh, that is called Think Like a State. <laughs> uh, and he argues he he takes examples from forestry industry from from uh, from uh, all all kinds of areas of human uh, of of human condition that for the state it has always been the main priority uh, to systematize and register everything mm-hmm. so here once you come back to germany uh, and there are cases about this german german municipalities will register you on the register of resident citizens and if you take your Estonian, uh, for instance, boyfriend or girlfriend, or yeah. uh, or an Indian boyfriend or girlfriend, they will regi- they will be registered on the on the register of foreigners. So for the <laughs> for the like the still deep, as a European citizen, they, yes, okay. the deep rationality of the German state denies the existence of EU citizenship. Yeah, uh-huh. ironically, and uh, and actually, they won a case in front of the Court of Justice saying that. Well, it's nothing. It's purely the administrative practice. It's just Germans versus non-Germans. Yeah. Although, of course, it's counterintuitive because uh, once you start classifying and registering things, you create them. Uh, that's that's how legal truth come to uh, come about, come into existence. Uh, so, in Germany, in the eyes of the German state, uh, the, there are still there is still one type of foreigners. While in practice, the law that applies to that one type of foreigners is is is, is radically different. So, in Indian, of course, is not an Estonian mm-hmm. in Germany. But, Good, uh, but it, uh, of course, not Germany. Germans, generally, yeah. I mean. The, so, but this is this 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 is a good example. This registration yeah, because yeah. Uh, because the realization of what has happened in the sixties when when the EEC started working uh, has been long in the making, mm-hmm. and still uh, it it's not it has not fully penetrated and saturated the uh, the bureaucracies of all the member states. The member states still don't realize the profound danger, basically. Of uh, what they have stepped into for for all the main mythologies that that they run based upon. Uh, so uh, what if, are the uh, dangers? <laughs> and well, the, the the it's it's not surprising because the, because the European Union was pre- precisely created in order to limit 
both democratic outcomes and uh, and uh, economic uh, e- economic governance of the mm-hmm. states and on and and on both uh, on both fronts it has delivered exactly what it was expected yeah, uh, to yeah. deliver it has limited the states uh, so then all this all this uh, claims of of absolute sovereignty of the people are worthless once once you have open borders once you don't have the currency and once uh, and once uh, you cannot uh, give better treatment to your own citizens as opposed to whom you still register as foreigners yeah <coughs> but uh, excuse me but the s- citizenship of the european union is, is strongly limited and 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 he, here we come back to your question by the scope of application of eu law uh, so in order to in order to claim this uh, the, this non discrimination on the base of uh, on the basis of nationality on the basis of uh, uh, the, your movement uh, around the EU you need to you need to prove the connection with the, with with the legal system of the European Union and in this uh, in in this sense Singh is the most interesting case this is something that uh that actually one of my co-authors and I'm, I'm extremely proud to have to have published with him uh sir richard plender uh has argued this this was his uh, this this was his doctrine in front of the court of justice the idea is that uh, you cannot mistreat your own citizens who return from another member state having used european citizenship rights Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you, uh, since you are, you are German and coming back to your question and you are now in, you are now in the Netherlands. Once you go back to Germany, you will be, you will be treated as a, as a European citizen who has used the rights. So all, all kinds of non-discrimination clauses will apply to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the examples that actually illustrates the importance of the added value of European citizenship in the Treaty of Maastricht. Yeah, but if, if I wouldn't have traveled, if I wouldn't have got, gone to the Netherlands, <laughs> if I would have just stayed within Germany, then these rights wouldn't be applicable. Precisely. Be, and that's, <laughs> that's what we call reverse discrimination. So yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> it, it, it goes back to free movement of goods, the, all this, the, the case of Mato, like the packaging mm. of the, the packaging of butter and margarine, what the, whatever it was about. So the, 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 the idea is that, and that was the idea of the founders of the European Union, that uh, the member states will not be willing uh, to mistreat their own citizens. So there cannot be regulation, they thought, at the national level, that will be worse vis-a-vis the citizens <laughs> compared with uh, the, the other EU nationals. Wrong thinking. And yeah. in fact, this is absolutely wrong thinking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I- again, if they thought slightly harder, if they, <laughs> if they would read the Federalist Papers, they would understand that the tyranny of the majority is always, is, is always, is always a danger that we should take into account. So now the, 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 the most uh, easy example to illustrate uh, how this reverse discrimination works is, uh, is, is, is love and marriage. All this mm-hmm. horse and carriage kind of stuff. So, uh, so if you, if you now fall in love with someone in Colombo, uh, and, and, and you are a resident, uh, you are a resident of the Netherlands with a Dutch passport with no history of foreign study or for cross-border provision of services, then the Dutch law on importing your spouse, uh, as it were, will apply. And uh, the, the only reason behind that law is to make it impossible. Uh, so, if so the old procedure yeah, we've talked so, about so earlier, if the, the five so, years and then... So if the that law is successful, then you will not uh, have your, your spouse <laughs> from Colombo here and you will fall in love with the Dutch, etc. You will not delude the purity of this wonderful race and everybody <laughs> will rejoice in, 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 that uh-huh. the story had a happy ending. 
Yeah, there is, of course, an exception for those who, who to whom EU law applies, because uh, because uh, at the supranational level, the directive on on the free on the free movement of European citizens actually has something to say about the family not making any kind of reservations for those who for those family members who are not EU citizens. So once you fall within the scope of EU law, uh, even as a Dutchman. Even residing in the Netherlands, for instance, you had a history of travel, or or you somehow uh, provide services across the border. There is a lot of case law on this. Uh, then Dutch law will not apply, and and your spouse from Colombo will join you immediately. Well, it it, it will take, uh, I think, twelve hours. That's the that's the direct <laughs> flight with KLM from there. Yeah. Uh, and and no no kinds of uh, uh, cumbersome uh, preauthorizations. Well, besides uh, besides a visa, which will be which will be granted based on uh, based on european uh, european thinking so we will be necessary future and columbium spouse or st- already columbium spouse i would live be living in if i would study in maastricht belgium is just 50 minutes away it would be better just buy a car or a good bike and uh, bike over the border live there yeah, precisely. And study and work in That's, the Netherlands, but I can trigger that element living in Belgium. But the, so right. the, the, the interesting, <laughs> the, the added value of European citizenship is that it's, it, it twisted this thing to the better a little bit compared with, with purely internal market law. Because in the internal market law, uh, the thing that matters is, that mattered is your intention to contribute to the internal market behind the move. And that's, oh, okay. that's all the Rito Kulesa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, so if you, if you live on one side of the border and work on the other side of the border, then it doesn't mean that you have moved, uh, for the, for the purpose of work. Uh, or like the the other way around. So you could you could actually have a border in the center of your life, but not fall within the scope of EU law, uh, because uh, because the the member states would would consider that uh, you haven't mo- you haven't moved for the purpose uh, for the purpose of uh, contributing to the internal market. So so basically, why why are you claiming all these European rights? And uh, this significantly constrained the scope of application of EU law. Uh, this is not the same. This is not the same after after the Treaty of Maastricht, because the Treaty of Maastricht famously simply says, "Well, uh, a national of a member state is an EU citizen, and if a national of a member state is an EU citizen, it means that you automatically fall within the uh, within the personal scope of EU law." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then the the question of material scope remains, but uh, but your intentions basically don't matter anymore. It's the border that matters. Yeah. Right. And then after uh, after Ruiz Zambrano, the the border is not even as significant is, is the intensity of the violation of the, of your rights uh, that is of fundamental importance uh, and of course it's great for those who can bike to belgium and then uh, get the <laughs> colombian spouse or yeah. the spouse from colombo wherever uh, she will be coming from or he will yeah. be coming from uh, Im- Im- imported into the european union and now there is a the, there has just been an uh, an important uh, an important uh, opinion of, of of the advocate general of advocate general uh, who was it Vatele, i think uh, who said that under eu law uh, whether it's same sex, uh, same sex, uh, relationship or not doesn't matter. The same, the, the same kind of, uh, conditions should apply. Of yeah. course, this is in the directive, but, but plenty of the member states pretended that they cannot read, which of course is, uh, is fully in line with the principle of vagueness of EU law as, uh, as <laughs> Professor Somic, uh, in Vienna has underlined yeah. it. So what <laughs> we have is the need to bike. 
and and this is the main this is the main problem with the EU law at this point. The EU law is the law of taking a bus. That's why there is a bus on the cover of my EU citizenship book. The bus travels across the uh, across the legal orders. So this law of taking a bus uh, gives it up to your history of geographical movement uh, and economic activity rather than anything else mm-hmm. uh, to to trigger fundamental rights which will affect everything in your life, including whether you can live with your loved one sometimes whether you will survive physically biocitizenship uh what 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 kind of activity you can uh, you can you can get engaged in where you can reside so all all your rights are dependent on uh the internal market considerations and this is the only constitutional system around the world that actually subjects all the rights that you enjoy as a citizen uh to uh, to the bizarre ideology of geographical movement because usually in order to trigger rights uh a constitutional system would would invoke the most sacred core on which everything in 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 the particular system depends so so in 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 your germany's dignity dignity is dignity is the is the starting point of thinking about personhood in 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 the context of german constitutionalism it's not a bus ticket and then, uh, so the, the 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 main thinking behind my book is that probably we are facing a problem, and it's a moral ethical problem of the the very basis, uh, the 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 fundamentals of EU law, when our law based on whether someone has a bus ticket will actually allow or not that that person uh, have a happy have a happy family for instance or that someone's husband is not deported mm. or that children don't grow up uh, don't grow up without without their mother because the mother would otherwise be deported uh, even even if they are new, newly born etc there is a lot of uh, national case law in the netherlands yeah, it's, it's uh, a very nasty country uh, to, to those who are not european one wouldn't uh, so, expect that but that's that's true yeah well, it's just applying <laughs> the law. That's, uh, that, that's, uh, that's the most common excuse. But when you just apply the law of taking a bus, uh, you, you basically perpetuate uh, a, a, a very dangerous reality where the EU, without saying so and without us actually uh, conversing about it too much, turns into a, f- a fundamentally important and very potent actor of injustice. So a system that, that is based on a geographical movements cannot be perceived as a just system. Mm. Unlike, say, the German system, which is based on dignity. Unlike, say, the French system, which is based on equality. Unlike, say, pretty much any other mature constitutional system. So, so then what we are facing, what we are facing in the EU is this profoundly unjust, immoral, and unethical idea behind the, behind the activation of rights, yeah, yeah. Uh, which cannot possibly be shared by by anyone who is versed in, in in the national in the national ideologies of of uh, rights of rights and values and and this is this is one of the main problems that the EU will have to solve because you cannot you cannot pretend to be the force of the good when you know that uh, that your moral foundations are absurd that's basically the presumption of uh, uh, of an Absolute and overwhelming importance. Yeah, I mean, but, but the citizenship is still just a byproduct of the whole internal market idea, isn't it? I mean, 
this is why it, it would make a sense would make sense to not allow triggering those rights because you're not living the idea of the internal market by living in the country you have been born in or you you have the citizenship of but of course it has uh, it, I, I would disagree I don't, I don't think I am I'm just, that's not my I, opinion I, of course I, 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 I don't I don't think history really matters what matters is uh, is uh, uh, how the constitutional system functions in practice. So if you if you observe a bluntly unjust system, you need to fix it. You cannot yeah. say we didn't design it to be just because then it's a losing <laughs> argument. And this is what the Commission yeah, and the European Parliament true. and everybody seems to be repeating, saying, "But haven't you heard that they use about the internal market? What's wrong with this?" Yeah, and yeah. what's wrong with this is precisely a deported mother uh, whose child will be growing up with an alcoholic uh, parent uh, un uninterested in the in the child's development somewhere uh, in 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 uh, in remote Dutch provinces because because that's what the Dutch and EU law wants. And again, this uh, this all mm -hmm. comes down to reverse discrimination ultimately. Yeah, and this uh, reverse discrimination, uh, as, as I mentioned, this uh, is, is is a problem of the tyranny of the majority. Because imagine how many how many Dutchmen uh, would would like a Colombian spouse. Uh, it's probably minuscule percent. Now, how can they make their voice heard as opposed uh, to the ten percent of xenophobes? Uh, who, who dislike uh, <laughs> Sadly, anyone yeah. even from Poland uh, yeah. as, as opposed to Colombia. It's absolutely impossible. So yeah. if you leave these questions up to democracy, then, then you guarantee 100% then though that those who make the, uh, who make the atypical choices statistically in terms of whom to live their life with will always be humiliated. Mm. And in fact, the law is in place precisely not to make that happen. But this is not how the EU is designed. Yeah. So the, so the EU is designed the specific at, at, at this point the, to perpetuate the, the, to perpetuate the strange triggerings of, uh, triggerings of rights. And the book argues that this is not the way forward. So what what the authors look at, and, the, and among the authors there is the president of the Court of Justice. There are, there are several advocate general, advocates general. So uh, so Kuhn Leonard is there, the uh, advocate general Sharpston is there, uh, advocate general Spunar is there. Uh, all the all the most delightful thinkers about citizenship, whose whose uh, whose writings are uh are splendid in all respects and have mm -hmm. been over the last 10 20 years like professor spaventa davis uh uh etc so the book tries to find a different moral ground for the distribution of rights uh, because uh, once you believe that a bus ticket is not good enough in order to found a legal system which has a claim to be constitutional. Unfortunately, my chair is called the EU constitutional law. I, while I, I'm not sure I actually believe uh, this is a correct characterization as long as what we describe is in place. So it's an aspirational name. Once we believe that uh, the law of taking a bus is not the ideal of justice, which which we which we need to perpetuate and promote, we need to come up with an alternative. Are, and, are you and, doing that in the book? Are you trying yes, to find and, solutions and then, to the problem? Precisely, and then okay. and then the alternative to to my mind could be the intensity of rights violation at the national level. So if uh, if we establish a certain threshold beyond which the member states are not entitled to go in failing to provide rights 
both to their own citizens who are EU citizens and uh, and other EU citizens who come from who come from from other member states, then we can uh, we can use the intensity of rights violation as a trigger of mm-hmm. the additional protections at the supranational level. And this is more or less what the court has already done in uh, in uh, in Ruiz in Ruiz Zambrano, yeah. where where the children were protected. Uh, although there was no cross-border element, uh, this uh, this uh, this is an inescapable change after Maastricht is taken seriously, because mm. uh, because you cannot simply uh, distribute uh, a, a legal status and then announce that in the majority of cases, uh, since more than ninety percent of Europeans have never moved in a way that will be taken into account by EU law as consequential for the yeah, triggering yeah. of rights. You cannot announce that the majority of citizens, don't surprise, surprise, don't have the rights. Yeah, of course, yeah. they can decide <laughs> to use them, sure, uh, but, sure. uh, but they should be having them anyways, right? But equality is the most important is, is the most important promise. Yeah. Once once you say equality depends, or, or once you say that e- equality is about not comparing uh, EU citizens who don't fall within EU law with EU citizens who do fall within EU law, then the only issue of relevance be- be- becomes how you draw the border. And then you need to come up with a, with a morally justifiable ground of drawing the federal border between those who do and those who don't fall within EU law. At the moment, that border is the bus ticket border. And that's precisely the the main issue the the book takes with the EU law, yeah. because as long as it's a bus ticket law, once again, this cannot be a system that can have any kind of meaningful claim to justice. So, in this sense, this book this book actually developed uh, another work which I co-edited with uh, uh, Gronje de Burka from NYU and Andrew Williams from uh, from Warwick. Uh, it's called Europe's Justice Deficit. It's uh, it's over there. I, I asked my brother to draw. Uh, an angry Europe for the cover and it kind of works. The cover looks like a monster. Uh, because, uh, because, uh, the more you travel around Europe, if, if you actually speak, uh, with, uh, with people, uh, who, are not as privileged as as, as the majority of, of law students or the mm-hmm. majority of law, law professors would be, you will you will actually discover that plenty of people feel that they have been deceived and they have been brought down by the European Union, unfortunately, because uh, because they sense that the legal system is not for them, yeah. and 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 this is a this is a very this is a very dangerous trend for for the European Union to to be following uh, because uh, because we need all the citizens on board in order to have in order, in order to have a solid uh, functioning legal system which enjoys which enjoys legitimacy all around the member states we cannot be bringing down those who didn't bother to buy a bus or who didn't have money or who didn't have uh, That's who, th- true, or who, true. who, who yeah. didn't have the uh, the, 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 whose circumstances were of adverse to, to, to this very possibility. And the, the case of McCarthy is the best example of how the EU uh, doesn't work. The first case of McCarthy. With, uh, with the, uh, England and the Ireland. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you, you have a lady with several children, one of yeah. them, uh, significantly handicapped who needs, uh, who needs 24 seven care. 
because of this and because mm-hmm. the, because the United Kingdom, uh, unlike what they think about themselves, is not actually a generous social system. Uh, <laughs> so the, if the you United in, States of Europe, no. <laughs> exactly. So if you live in the UK, it means that if if you if your child is in the condition of Miss of Mrs. McCarthy's child. Uh, it means that you will have your life destroyed and you will not get sufficient support mm-hmm. from the state. Uh, of course not. Uh, so much for benefit tourism. And, and, and she falls in love with a Jamaican gentleman who is ready to provide for the family. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, since, uh, since she has two passports, but, but, uh, but have never worked outside of the UK or for that matter within the UK since she got the child early, mm-hmm. uh, the court basically says, uh, she doesn't fall within the scope of EU law. So uh, she wanted the she, subsidy. No, she wanted uh, the, the, she the wanted, spouse to come she in. She wanted the spouse to live with her under the Irish the passport rights, basically. No, she, well, under the European Union law, rights, uh, because the, under based the EU on law, the you Irish have, passport. <laughs> under EU law, the directive uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. gives EU citizens the right to be accompanied by the spouse. Yeah, it's it's an unconditional right. Uh, but uh, but under UK law, uh, since he is Jamaican and the and UK law is not particularly welcoming uh, 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 when it comes to Jamaicans, uh, the gentleman had no had no chance. So the only the only thing that um, uh, Mrs. McCarthy needed is to establish precisely the connection with the EU law, mm-hmm. and she didn't have a bus ticket. So she 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 hasn't she hasn't had any history of cross border activity, and she didn't work. Why? Because her child was handicapped. The court never mentions that. Of course, we, we know this from the documents, but uh, they pretend that they haven't heard. Uh, so as a result, uh, a a woman's ra- a woman's life is ruined because uh, because uh, her loved one is deported. Mm-hmm. Uh, her her economic well being is destroyed because now she's she's forever reliant on UK generous social security and uh, and she's prohibited basically since she, she since she's alone again uh, from uh, starting to think about organizing a work life or any kind of social life for herself uh, so the the the, the result of non non not applying EU law to her case is devastating it's it's an absolutely it's an absolute humiliation and destruction in the name of what in the name of nothing, actually, what? besides the sovereignty yeah, of, yeah. Of, of the UK applied to the, to the decision to, to deport the husband. I mean, this also ultimately pressures her into leaving the country, right? I mean, she could go to Ireland or any other country, then again, to have this crossbow element, but we, of course, don't want that to be a necessity. Precisely. Right. So, <laughs> so it, this is a very this is a very dangerous line to take, uh, leaving the country. And unfortunately, the the, the court the court of justice used this uh, used this in Ruiz Zambrano, like yeah. uh, the the children might be pressured to leave the European Union. Exactly. This is mm-hmm. a xenophobic line of thinking that proves that the EU citizenship is no different from any other. Since any citizenship is xenophobic by by definition, uh, any citizenship is about establishing a sanctuary for us, much better people than them on the other side of the border. So as long as there is anarchy and devastation on the other side of the border, we want to keep our children with us. So never mind, say, the Belgian ambassador to Canada who moves to Canada with the family and whose children don't die in that hostile environment. So the, the the very idea that the children are better off here as opposed to anywhere else mm-hmm. uh, is is to my mind uh, an absolutely absurd and, and non defensible idea. Uh, the, the 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 reasoning should not be about the threat of somewhere else. The reasoning should be about 
living at home, about being here and now, about about using the rights in the state, in the state where you happen to where you happen to have built your uh, your social connections and where where your life actually is. Uh, you don't need threats in order to in order to invent the right of staying at home. And this is and this is the most important fundamental right that the EU law has never mentioned or granted to anyone. Mm-hmm. So because because the idea of applying the internal market of internal market to citizenship is basically uh, the idea that uprooting people is okay and necessary in order to protect them. So unlike unlike U.S. citizenship, which works as uh, as a as as a as a protection of fundamental rights based on the status, EU citizenship works as a as a protector of rights based on compensatory logic. So first you get uprooted. Uh, then you move somewhere and we compensate you with rights for being uprooted. And this is not how citizenship no. and a developed democracy should work mm-hmm. or in developed constitutional system. So as long as uh, it's an uprooted citizenship, which is, uh, which is only triggered in fact, if your child is not handicapped, uh, then we already have a hint at what kind of people that don't have any say in this, in this system of EU justice. These are these are those who precisely need the help of the law, mm. and that's why the Charlotte O'Brien is absolutely right. She has she has recently uh, recently wrote a book, a Union Unity in Adversity, where which appeared with Bloomsbury. It's hard publishing uh, last year, uh, where she collects testimonies of those whose lives have been destroyed by European citizenship law. Oh wow! It's a it's 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 a wonderful book which illustrates very clearly that uh, that uh, putting uprootedness at the at the focal point of your of your of your citizenship construction is something that is uh, that is profoundly problematic. So you need to have you need uh, you need to have a right to stay at home in order to be in order to be claiming that the real citizenship is mm-hmm. part of our system. Do you think within the current political climate maybe to bring it to an end um a change to a more truly european union citizenship is possible to like maybe a level uh, citizenship on the federalist level well i'm not, I'm, i'm not speaking about more or less european citizenship i'm i'm, I'm simply stating the fact that currently no, our citizenship yes. yeah our citizenship yeah. is based on on uh, morally and ethically irrelevant acts which would not be at all taken into account in the construction of citizenship at the national level in any But do you think a change is possible whatsoever what whatsoever around the world and and whether the change of, is possible again is not probably the the right way to formulate it because the change is absolutely indispensable okay because uh, because uh, unjust legal systems which uh, which uh take arbitrary pretexts to exclude people from rights do not survive for a long time and and and, and we have uh, countless examples in history uh, mm-hmm. vanished kingdoms are everywhere and uh, being being strongly pro european i don't want the european union to vanish but then uh, to want uh, to, to basically <laughs> to to wish the european union good health mm-hmm. in the state in which it is now would probably go against all what i believe in yeah because yeah. Uh, because if you if you precisely spit on the on the most disenfranchised and pretend that they do not exist 
in the way how you construe your your most fundamental status status of belonging then this is not the kind of union this is not the kind of legal system we, we want to be living in Mm -hmm. uh, so something has to happen, and obviously this pressure is strongly felt by the institutions and also at the court. That's what, that's why they, we had Rizdam Brown in the first place. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a fundamental. It's a radically radically interesting and uh, and uh, far going case, precisely because it doesn't fetishize uh, the, the the bus ticket logic anymore. So we don't want the law of taking a bus uh, to be to be the common denominator of justice yeah. uh, in 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 our twenty eight still twenty eight member states. Yeah. Uh, one question I've always wanted to ask an expert on citizenship is. Um, whether you believe that citizenship is actually a good idea or we just have it as something left over from the past. Well, I mean, that's, of course, a very deep question whether <coughs> nation states are a good idea and borders, etc. Right? But uh, does citizenship does more good than bad? You said we're coming to a close, <laughs> and this is the first question. Uh, Citizenship, of course, uh, had had extremely important <laughs> functions in the past. It it it, it allowed people to f to feel liberated and to to support the the authority in charge uh, with all the heart. Why? Because uh, because in, in previously rigidly stratified societies, uh, precisely the lack of equality was uh, something that was valued by the legal systems. Uh, it, dueling codes is a great example. If, uh, for instance, if you are a baron and I am a commoner and I spit into your face, then you would not need to kill me on a duel because you will not necessarily be offended since my dignity doesn't exist compared with yours. So I cannot offend. And then, uh, and then as, as, uh, uh, the citizenship was, uh, was, was growing. The, the, the idea of equality was, was coming into, in, into Western European law in, uh, throughout the 19th century. Uh, suddenly this kind of approach was not acceptable anymore. And of course there are more commoners than, uh, than, than barons mm. and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, all those commoners suddenly felt uh, profoundly empowered to hear from uh, from from the authority in charge that actually they are equal uh, equal to all those who who had infinitely more dignity before. So citizenship and that that was part of the of the nationalist yeah. surge and nationalism back then was a was a was obviously a progressive a progressive force mm -hmm. if if we believe in that kind of equality. And then uh, as long as equality came with uh, with uh, with uh, undermining this uh, rigid uh, rigid societal stratification it also provided for economic opportunities for for uh, for, for s s some citizens who would who would have uh, none of that in the past so so citizenship was a, was a progressive it was a was at the core of the progressive movement but uh, everything has changed since then so now, as uh, and 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 this has to do with economic change. Uh, Branko Milanovic of the World Bank, who is now who is now at some American university, I think, uh, looked at uh, at where inequalities reside in compared in in uh, contemporary world as opposed to as as opposed to dozens of years ago. So the classical nineteenth century picture is that inequalities are within states. So you, so the poorest in England were just as poor as the poorest in Germany. Mm -hmm. And the poorest in Germany were just as poor as the poorest in, in, in the Australian Dominion or, or yeah. Canadian Dominion. And the same applied to the US. 
Now, so then citizenship, as long as it's a it is a status of equals, even behind walls and borders, uh, although they were much more porous back then probably than, uh, than now, the citizenship was an empowering status in order to combat that kind of inequality. If we believe that combating equality is a good thing, and I think we can agree on, mm -hmm. uh, on, on that one, at least for now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now inequalities are between states. Uh, so, so the, the poorest Danes on, on complete welfare, who, including those who sleep in the streets, uh, uh, they belong to the, to the top percentage of the richest people on earth. <laughs> Why? Because, yeah, uh, because yeah. the, especially the former colonies are in such a dire situation, uh, that, uh, that it's impossible to compare, uh, the, the well-being over there with the well-being in, 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 in the global north. Mm. As a result, as long as we, we believe in citizenship and police it, uh, and citizenship is about borders, installing borders between the global south and the global north, uh, has only one outcome is the perpetuation of global inequality. Yeah. So as long as you close access to, to Denmark, where even those who sleep in the streets are the world elite. I mean, this is, this is of course uh, probably a ridiculous claim before you think about it. But once you start thinking about it, uh, all this, uh, all, all these guys who protest around against the, the top 1% or the top 10%, uh, marching down the fifth avenue, uh, protesting are doing themselves, themselves the yeah, are protesting, in, yeah, in part <laughs> against themselves. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, Knowing that inequalities are not within states where citizenship could actually do something with, with, with that kind of inequality, but between states where citizenship works precisely as a wall on the way of possibly solving the problems because it, it stalls any kind of uh, possibility of movement from the poorest countries to the richest countries because the richest countries among themselves have uh, usually absolute free movement, at mm -hmm. least, at least in terms <laughs> of not requiring visas. Yeah, that's, true. that's why the, the richest countries have, uh, have the best, uh, the best passports. Uh, so now citizenship is a retrograde, retrograde neo-fertile force that basically destroys uh, the, 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 the prospects of development for, for those countries which are undermined by the way how global resources and global wealth is distributed. And the last, very last thing I wanted to say is that we haven't mentioned race in this, uh, in, uh, in, in this, yeah. in this whole conversation. And, and citizenship has traditionally been profoundly racist. Yes. This is something that we have to realize. Uh, if you look at naturalization laws, uh, up to, up to 1960s, uh, the, the Japanese, the Chinese, the Africans, whoever, usually they wouldn't be able to naturalize. And, uh, and even, even more, the combination of sexism and racism worked in such a way that you could be denigrated even within the same state. So if, uh, if you are a Dutch lady, for instance, marrying a colonial Dutch subject, uh, on the island of Java, say in 19, in 19, uh, I don't know, 47, you would lose your Dutch citizenship. And you would turn into a colonial subject yourself, which will, which will make it almost impossible for you to travel back to the Netherlands, mm -hmm. which will, which will ensure that you will stay there after that place becomes independent. And, uh, and, uh, the, the, the state, the state over here will, will cut all the ties with you. Uh, so, and, and of course, all the colonial women had to be available to the white males. Yeah. So yeah. this is, this is, a, this is how sexism works, which means that once, once a woman even holding an elite citizenship of, uh, of the, of the white core of the, of the Dutch empire transgresses the racial divide in terms of, in terms of sleeping with the people of the wrong status and wrong skin color, mm -hmm. uh, 
she's out she loses everything and that's and that's and that's identity yeah, so yeah. so this is only changing now mm. but but again there are while uh, while this is changing and now everybody can naturalize here empires are not around anymore so there is a, a british empire for instance had some kind of uh, free movement for its subjects mm-hmm. which now uh the, the, all the former subjects are behind behind visa walls which are impenetrable yeah, if yeah. you have a congo passport you will never, never. see paris and no. uh, you will never see london and you will never see new york uh, unless you belong to to an, to an absolutely exceptional minuscule percentage of uh, of of total of total elite which means that now this racism which used to be very visible within the empires already is uh, is rationalized and also sanctified through the through the introduction of impenetrable borders with the new independent states after post uh, that appeared uh, after decolonization and uh, and in this sense uh, those citizenships which which come without any rights which come without any empowerment uh, besides, besides working as, uh, as, uh, strong anchors, uh, preventing any kind of economic development because, because the borders are sealed precisely for those, uh, for those people who are the most disenfranchised. They also send, uh, they also send a racist, uh, a racist signal, which, which is not, uh, which is not frequently noticed mm-hmm. because if you look at the visa free lists of, uh, of all the richest countries on earth, uh, usually not a single African can enter visa free. Yeah. And of course, officially, this will be economic development. But since we know that the walls and visa free lists are precisely there to ensure that the, the status quo is preserved, mm-hmm. that that's partly what contributes to precisely the distribution of capital and distribution of opportunities around the world. Yeah. Uh, the world is much more problematic than uh, what we are to what, to what international lawyers are trying to sell us mm-hmm. when they speak about <laughs> the UN system. When can we expect the new um, quality of nationality, nationality index for this year? I'm 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 done with the with the calculations oh. now. So in May we will have a new we will have a new release. And, uh, and as last year, it will be in both in Russian and in, and in English because I have it translated, and the Chinese okay. translation is coming up. Oh wow! Uh, so I, I'm trying to to increase the outreach uh, <laughs> of of this of this little tool. But it's it's necessary to go to nationalityindex.org mm-hmm. uh, where you can click on all the countries and you you can see the evolution of quality. You can compare all the countries. Uh, yeah. the, you can visualize all the aspects of the quality of nationality. It's a it's it's a very well functioning tool actually. I'm very, you, you can I'm find the link in the in the description. I also will put a link uh, to the new book, EU yeah. Citizenship and Federalism. Um, Cambridge University Press and how can the listeners find you online? Maybe your work, is there any do you have a website or are you very active yeah, I have on Twitter? Yeah, a website, it's, it's Kochinov.eu. Okay. Uh, the website is very rarely updated because I'm a very lazy person but, <laughs> uh, but the majority of my work is, uh, is a, actually all of my work besides besides the books is available for free okay. online on SSRN. Okay, good, perfect. Dimitri, thank you very much. It was a great pleasure.